sharing huge space. Look how fast he's going. Polar opposite of the conditions he won in Lords. Rain soaked Lords. They're getting the last step down. The crowd is roaring. He is going to do it. He's going to smash the time. Downhill racer and our expert here today, Andrew Needling. How's it? How are we doing, folks? Welcome back. It's Andrew Needling, and I'll be your host. This is Moving the Needle podcast. Hey, if you're new to the show, thanks so much for downing this one. I hope you enjoy it. I want to give a big shout out to Scott Bicycles for supporting me and my crazy ideas, including this podcast. As some of you may know, this is actually my fifth year on the brand, and I'm blown away by the support and how amazing the bikes are. So if you're into big climbs, bigger descents, and long days on the mountain, make sure to check out Scott's all-new trail collection. Don't miss out. Check it online in selected countries and at dealers worldwide. That'll be on the website, scottsports.com, but what I'll do is I'll put a link in the description. Some of my faves that you have to check out is a new Stego helmet. So comfy, but really, really good protection. And then the soldier knee pads, I can literally ride on those knee pads all day. Go for lunch with them, chill out, and then go for more riding. So make sure you go check it out. I'll put a link in the description. Let's jump straight into our next guest. In 2019, he finished in the top 10 overall in the Downhill World Cup Series. He's actually a teammate of mine on Scott Bicycles as well. And then he had to sit out the whole of 2020 because of the pandemic. We get into all things like the challenges of sitting out of a season. And he's done a lot of uh, reflection. And uh, we speak about a crazy thing that happened to him. He actually attempted to commit suicide as a, as a youngster, which is just so raw and a lot of courage for him to speak about that. So um, we had a wide-ranging conversation. I don't even know. We went off in tangents. It was great fun. And I hope you guys enjoy this episode and maybe get to know some of the races out there, but on a little bit more personal level. All right, folks, I think you're going to enjoy this one. It's actually a fellow podcaster, but that's not his claim to fame. Dean Lucas, actually a youngster. I have to call him a youngster, even though he's pretty mature. Um, taking the world on and on downhill he's become a podcaster I think he's got a cool uh, kind of outlook on life some people may think he went a bit mad during the pandemic when he couldn't go <laughs> racing but these things happen but uh, I'm honored uh, to have Mr. Dean Lucas with us how you doing I'm good Nados how you doing man no good I'm excited for this um, I must say a bit of an inspiration to finally get off my ass and start a podcast so thanks for that and thanks yeah. Did the, the one we did, was that a bit of like, I guess, a, a catalyst to this happening? Yeah, I'm like, if Dean can do it in a hotel room, surely I can pull this off. <laughs> yeah, just gypsying around with my one mic and yeah, had no, I didn't even think about headphones or anything. I was like, you just talk in, none of my levels were set up, nothing was right. Like looking back at it, it was a bit of a clown show, but definitely started somewhere. Yeah, but isn't that how anything starts? You've just got to start. You can't overthink it forever. And that's what I did. Eventually, I said, what's the worst case? I maybe learn a new skill and I maybe give it up in a year or two, but I have some fun chats, learn a new skill. Um, I don't think there's a negative to it, even if it's something I don't pursue forever. Um, and yeah. that's, that's key. But at least you pushed record when you invited me onto your <laughs> one. Yeah, I think you were the second, well, the, the third one, but the first one I did with um, Charlie and Brooke, yeah, the record button didn't get pushed. So we talked for like two hours and then I realized at the end that, yeah, I didn't didn't go anywhere. So at that point, I was almost like, maybe this isn't for me. Maybe I should stick to riding bikes. But we uh, we pulled through, did the second one with Sven and um, Boris. And then, yeah, you and Elliot were the third one. I think, where were we, Innsbruck? I think it was, yeah, we were in, in Innsbruck. It was Prankworks, um, wasn't it? Well, your failure... 
you know, you should learn through others' failures and try not make them yourself. So I sometimes double record so that I don't have to <laughs> sheepishly phone the guest back and say, can we uh-huh. do it again because I don't have anything. Mm, well, I will say that's the one that I've, yeah, one and done. I, have, I haven't missed an episode yet. But like you say, I'm glad it was the first one. I'm glad we got it out of the way quick. But to be fair, like the little button flashed red when it wasn't recording. And then when you press it to record, it stopped flashing. And I was like, that makes no sense like that. And I was just can, can uh, I was just recording straight to the the software on Macs. Like I wasn't even into GarageBand. I wasn't through anything else. It was just straight audio into it. And yeah, no, I've definitely come a long way since then, which is good. Well, you've come a long way in your riding and, and in life, even though yeah, you're still quite a youngster, I think, on the circuit. What <laughs> For the listeners that are maybe new to you or new to the sport of downhill or wherever they're tuning in from, catch us up on a little bit of how you got into mountain biking um, and then making you know, downhill as a career. At the start, I was um, I actually wanted to race motocross. Downhill was never the... Um, the thing that I really was like didn't, striving for. Didn't so, we all? <laughs> yeah, I think that was everyone. Everyone, every guy that right, races downhill has got that little just like thing that they're just like motocross is just that little bit cooler, I think. But when I was, I think I was about like I grew up on a farm, so we just had motorbikes, push bikes. Is from the age of I think two, I started riding a, a mountain bike and then got a motorbike when I was four. So always in my life, always a part of what I was doing. And then I got to a certain age and it was just like, okay, well, where are we going with this? Do we want to like? Do we want to make the racing a thing? Anyway, my dad actually had a close friend of his that was in a really bad motorcycle accident racing. He got landed on on like a triple, um, became a paraplegic from that, and he was a bit. He was just a bit wary of like, well, obviously it's your kid, you don't want that happening to him. So he's just like, I don't want you to race motocross; it's too dangerous. And I was just a bit, like, I was a bit of like a dream crusher, I guess. And then I was I was a bit devastated about that that he didn't want to support that dream. And then um, a friend of mine. Um, no, my cousin, actually, my cousin said, well, have, have, what about mountain biking? Have you like done that and kind of pushed me down that direction and then started riding just for fun and never think about racing and then got a little bit better, got a little bit better. And then this is actually a pretty cool story. One day, um, one of my a kid I actually grew up in primary school with, um, that we went to different schools. So we separated. And so I didn't see, I hadn't seen him for three or four years or something. Anyway, his mum and my mum were quite good friends. So she came over one day and she saw that I had my downhill bike, had like an old Norco Atomic just out the front of the house. And she's like, oh, my son's really into downhill as well now. You should, um, you should get onto him and you guys could go riding together. And I was like, yeah, that sounds cool. Anyway, I was a bit nervous, but he ended up calling me that night. And he's like, hey, do you want to go riding? Let's, let's catch up, whatever. So that day um, we went riding together and just hung out and it was just kind of like old times. And he's like, there's a race in a couple of weeks' time. I'll, t- I'll take you to that if you want to come. And I was like, yep, let's do it. Let's make it happen. So... Went to the first race, ended up winning it. I was only in under 13s, but like it was, it was still pretty cool. But the coolest thing about that story is the guy that took me to the, my first race was Darcy Wilkinson, and that okay. was who my mechanic was last year. Yeah. So I thought like a cool like full circle that I took him to his first World Cup as my mechanic, and it was just like thinking back to that moment when he took me that first race when I was yeah 12 years old, and then yeah, <laughs> 12 years later I'm taking him to the World Cups and World Champs and stuff and to Europe. So that's it can amazing, go full man. Pretty easily, yeah. So. That was a bit of a trip. Like, I, I need to find those. There would be an old photo somewhere when we were obviously kids and went to that race, and it'd be cool to have that. And then the photo from World Champs when we're both like at the top or something, and just like, you never know where it's going to turn up, but, uh, turn out. But yeah, that was um, that was kind of the beginning of it all. And I remember the first race I did, I was I got excited about winning, but I was in under 13s. I think there was two other kids, so it was just kind of a bit of a shallow victory. And then the next weekend or the next race, a couple of weeks later, I went up to under 15s. 
anyway, a bit more competition, a bit more nervous, whatever. And I ended up getting second. And that was like, okay, we we can do this. And I remember just like driving home in the car and I just remember staring so intently at this second place trophy. And like, I remember so clearly that was like the moment where I'm like, I'm hooked. On the, on the racing and the competitive side, like wanting to go to more yeah. races and, and win yeah. or something like that. Yeah, yeah, that exactly. Young. So that that young, but I just remember driving home. And I had this little trophy and I actually found it the other day in um, my parents' um, garage. It was just in a box and I remember seeing it. I was like, that's probably the most important trophy I've ever won. And it was second place in under 15s at a place called Bar Jug in Victoria. So that like that was the the start. That was the thing. So like I've, I've, I've obviously done pretty well after that and I've got uh, World Cup um, medal or trophies and stuff and like still that one, that little second place means more to me than the rest of them. Like it's funny how it's like. Have you kept it? Are you going to put it up in like your office or this podcast area or like what are you going to do with it? It's still um, it's still at my parents. I, I know where it is now. It's a bit more safe. It's not just so thrown in a box somewhere. So I know where it is. But I think, yeah, it's going to go on the mantelpiece or something. But yeah, it's funny how like, yeah, that. That would like, and as soon as I saw it, it, it took me back to that moment in time when I remember like just staring at it like so intently, and having so like just thinking like, where's this going to take me? And to think back, looking at it now, where it has taken me from that moment is pretty crazy. Like it's yeah, it's been a bit of a, a, a dream come true realistically, being able to do it for a job. Yeah, I mean you you're pretty um, kind of holistic about it and appreciative of racing bikes around the world. A lot of people think it's so, so easy. I mean, can we speak to some of the challenges of being, yeah. I mean, look, it's a great job. Don't get me wrong. I wouldn't change anything I did, but it's so mm. funny when people think you've got an easy job, you just jet around the world, but they don't see all the, the crap, the yeah. pressure, the internal pressure. I think that that mm. comes from being, well, a professional sportsman, but trying to achieve something so little, few people can do. Mm. I always say to people just because it's a good job doesn't mean it's an easy job and that's like any I think that's being at the pointy end of any anything whether it being a business or an athlete or just if you're at the pointy end like that comes with sacrifice hard work determination like all those things but even just to the point of just the the travel is like so much I guess it puts a lot of strain on you like being away from your family especially the young like it grows you a lot like it's hard like everything you kind of complain about also grows you as well and is also such a beneficial thing. Mm. But I think, I think people like, like you never see the bad side and I hate promoting the bad side of racing because it's like, it just, it's, it's like, shut up and you, you get to do a really like, yeah, yeah. and I'm saying that more and more now, but I think especially now that it was taken away at the same time, I've really got a new grasp on how good it actually is. And I think it, it, it kind of sucks that I guess just people in general and and I know I'm guilty of this it's like you don't appreciate something fully until you don't have it and I think now that it got taken away in 2020 because of obviously COVID and everything I've really just got this new perspective of like I do get to live the dream and going to compete at these countries and going to just to be in front of like a massive crowd doing what I love and being really good at it it's just like fuck that's yeah that's that's something else so definitely look at it in a different way and I've been trying to even bring that in um training now and Recently, I did a, um, a Vic Series race, and I think it was the first race I'd done. It would have been over a year. It would have been. So I that raced. You were on the clock. Yeah, yeah. So I raced in um, New Zealand for the Oceanas, and that was in March. I think it might have been just under a year there. Either, either way, around about a year. And I remember going to the race, and I was just so excited to just go to the race. 
did not care about the track, did not care about where, like I just wanted to be around in a race environment. I want to be around everyone. Cause it's like, you know, when you go to the race, it's like, it's exciting. There's pressure. There's people like it's, it's, it's a cool environment. And everyone's cool. Like everyone's friendly. Everyone's nice. So going there and just being back in that setting to me was just like, I had already won. Like, that's the thing I got there. And I think that's something I'm definitely going to try and take into world cup racing. Like I always tell people now, like getting on a plane is like, that's a win. Like the things that look like, I guess, challenges or like, like a bit of a drag, like going through international airports and all that, like that to me is now like, look what I get to do. Like, look what I get, how I get to travel the world. Look at, I'm going to do a job that I love, like all that stuff. And then I feel like if you can look at all those as wins, it's like it takes away from the pressure of the race because it's like you get to the, the track and you like, because you always see people complain about the track or the conditions and all this. And it's just like, fuck, like it's not that bad. Just enjoy the process, enjoy the place. Do you think this pandemic's going to almost be a blessing for you to give you motivation and this like new oh. lease going forward? I mean, it's pretty tough for someone to of your stature and you're young still getting world cup podiums but still want to prove yourself and then you've lost a whole year and you're sitting at home watching people tick off results i mean watching the racing but now it sounds like you i'm going to take it as a blessing no if i i I, if i could go back now to when i was in portugal before the first round when i got cancelled and you could say do you want to go down the normal route of yep you're about to go race portugal or covid i would go down the covid path for sure honestly and that's what now with what you've come through it what, what, yeah, what I've got out of it and how I've grown as a person and where I'm, where I'm at and what I want to do. And just honestly, yeah, I feel like I've kind of in a way reinvented myself as a person and like, I guess, goals, drive, passion, like everything's just kind of reset in a way. And I feel like I was already in a good, a really good place, but now I feel like I've just lifted myself back up again. So yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty hard to think. Cause I, I can remember how devastated I was flying home from Portugal after obviously the pandemic kind of started to kick off. And I remember getting home and just being so just deflated. And I was just like all this work, all this energy, and it just seemed wasted in my head. And I took away from the experience. Like I took away from everything that led up to that moment of going to Portugal. And now in my head, I'm training and doing everything now because I actually love to do it. Like beforehand, I was training for Portugal. I was training to get on the podium, but that was it. I was like, I wasn't enjoying the road, like road riding so much, even to the point where riding downhill didn't have the same joy as I guess it was. It, I've it was been a job. there. I understand that. I've been there where it's just, it's on the training schedule. So you do it, but there's not many rides that you kind of do for yourself or, I mean, yeah, over time. And that's the negative of it. It's not, you don't appreciate it. It's, if I'm understanding correctly, I got to the point that I'm just like, it's mundane. I've done it a lot. I'm forced to do it to go do this goal. And you, you lose track of why you started riding anyway. And it becomes a job. And that's the negative side of it. It's not that you don't appreciate mm-hmm. it. So, yeah, I understand that. You're kind of burnt out yeah. maybe. Well, that's the whole thing I think is like I always try and work the balance of like because I know obviously riding so much is going to improve your skill. So it's that balance of riding enough to improve your skill where you're at a like competitive level but then also not burning yourself out. Mm. So I think you need to really find that balance of what works for you. And I feel like I've got a better balance now. I've actually moved to, um, I've actually completely moved house as well. Like I moved my whole whole life. So I'm living in Bright, which is in Victoria, which is like a little kind of mountain bike town more or less. And it's just honestly probably the best thing I've ever done. It's riding's really close. There's got good people here. Everyone's stoked on riding and just, I guess a more, 
I don't know, open mindset here and people are really friendly and it's just like it's just a, a lot of things have changed for the better. And I think back sometimes because where I was living beforehand, um, I kind of look at that now and I was like, how was I even competitive at World Cups living in this place? Because it was like there wasn't – tracks were – I think I had to drive a bit over an hour, hour and a half to get to decent tracks um, to the point where I built my own track just so I had something to train up nearby. But even that was – I think it was about two minutes long. So like you ride a two-minute track in Australia then you go to a Fort William and it's like how am I supposed to hang on at this point? So that was um, – that was, yeah. So I had that, no, barely any proper trail bike tracks and stuff. And then I look back at that now and I was just like, oh, like, and I was able to perform at a level which I was happy with, but I had all these like, not roadblocks, but I guess resistance from things. And I've noticed a lot more now. It's like, you've just got to take out all the resistance. Like if I want to go for a road ride now, there's mountains, mountain passes, like there's three or four that I can do from my doorstep. And there's just, tra- I can ride my trail bike to the track, downhill laps of, five minutes away so like everything I'm trying to create in my life now is to take out all the resistance that comes up I guess about getting burnt out and getting I guess overtraining and all that so I've got so many options now that it's just it's it's just easy it's like my my lifestyle is completely shifted to fit in with what I need to do it's not like I'm trying to put effort in to do something now so like I said if I had to drive an hour and a half one way an hour and a half back that's three hours of just driving so that I guess you put on top of like oh if I go riding I've got to drive three hours which then I think that in turn burns you out even if it's not you don't connect that with the riding it's just time put into something you don't want to do and then you add riding into that so you might not go riding that day and that compounds into I guess not training like you should and all these other things so now I just have none of that like everything I need is within riding or walking or running distance of me so it just I don't know it's made life a lot simpler and easier which is good yeah I think eventually even if you're striving to the top of the world in a sport or in your career if you have to drive an hour and a half you're going to maybe eventually find an excuse not to go riding that day I'll do it next week or I've got to I don't have the time to get in the car, just go on my road bike today or something. Yeah, I understand that, definitely. So besides thinking, well, making us thinking thinking you were going mad on Instagram during the pandemic, like talk talk a little bit what you, you got up to and then the challenges of that moving season, then you obviously couldn't really go. And then now even going into 2021, like the date might change. Like how are you mm. adapting to that? So when we first went into lockdown, um, like I was in Port, well, like oh, before lockdown, sorry, I was in Portugal, obviously got the news it was all cancelled. Um, I came home and like I said, really bummed, just all my hard work, everything went down the drain. Um, but then once I kind of, I really thought about it, like I thought really deeply about it and was like, no, like this is, it's a roadblock or it's a, it's a, it's different, but it doesn't mean it's a bad thing. And I really got over it. And then luckily a friend of mine said I could stay up um, at an apartment he had at Falls Creek. So we both just went up there and just turned it into the most fun I've probably ever had. Like I think everyone thought I was kind of losing it because we just became idiots. You know, I think I think that's just what people needed yeah. because it was a time where everyone was kind of getting locked down and it was all this uncertainty. And I guess in the media it was just pushing like this, I don't know, fear and hate and anger and everyone's stressing out. So me and my friend um, were just like, well, let's just have fun with this. Let's just do dumb stuff. Let's just have a bit of a laugh. And mm. we got a good response. Like, I think it's what people needed. And then in in that time as well, I met um, actually my girlfriend at the time, which was um, very helpful and just like, I guess, showing me a new way of looking at life in certain aspects. So that was really, really helpful. And another a housemate of mine, she also was just, I guess, 
just had a different mindset and different view on certain things. And I think it's definitely what I needed at the time. So it just kind of helped. I think that helped with the development of how I kind of look at life now and how I look at the, like you said before, like a holistic approach to actually everything. So that happened. And then, but it was, it was tricky though when, cause when we're up there, we kind of, I, I literally thought the season's done. Like I didn't think we'd, we're racing at all. And then they rescheduled it and that was kind of like, Oh shit, like this could happen. So then got back into training um, I was up at Falls Creek, so it was a bit tricky. It was like just kind of going to their snow season. So it was like <laughs> starting to get blizzards and whatnot. So I was up there and I started training again and then it would just get canceled again. Like when you'd hear whispers and something, and then it would get canceled. And so every time I felt like it would build back up and then it would get canceled. And then in the back of my mind, I'm just like, it's not happening. Like it's why are we trying to make something happen that's not? So that that was a challenge for sure. Like I remember for like – I think after I think they they rescheduled and canceled and they rescheduled and then canceled again and I was just like no nah, it's not happening and that for me it it was it was hard because I'd kind of obviously been putting in work again I'd actually moved down to Mount Beauty because it was a, an easier place to train I was I was riding every day I was getting back up to speed and I was pretty much convinced that like yep yeah, I was in the mindset again like it's happening and I think that's the biggest thing is like obviously if your mind's in it that it's happening you put in the effort that it's happening yeah but once that falls out it's it's so tricky to get back in so I remember just before I was supposed to leave to go to Europe I remember calling um, Jack Moyer and he was saying it's getting worse again things are shutting down that's probably not going to happen so I was like oh fuck like that's it's a bit deterring and then um Patrice um my team manager actually sent me a message saying Marin got COVID and I was like, oh, like, okay. And then I found out Flo got COVID as well. And then actually, a, and then some, I don't know if it was George Brannigan or someone who was staying with got it. So in my head, this is how I looked at the situation that I could come to Europe, get COVID, have to isolate for 14 days. Once I land in Europe to race a world cup that is hanging on a string of a maybe. Mm. And then I'd have to quarantine for two weeks when I got home. So it was a month quarantine on maybe wouldn't race, maybe would. And this is after coming back from Portugal and it being cancelled already. So I'd already been through that process once and it's just like to repeat that again on, on I just didn't want to deal with that disappointment. I didn't think it would happen for one and I didn't want to deal with the disappointment if it did. So I talked to Julian and he was like, it's your your call, you can you can do what you want. Though Scott was very, very open to whatever I want to do was the right decision. And then they were actually um, kind enough to put the travel budget they would have given me into that uh, movie project. Yeah, good job on that. That looked awesome. Yeah, it was good fun. Yeah, good so project. I think that just shows you what, yeah, if like a door closes, a window opens kind of thing. So that was something that obviously, again, saying I wouldn't go was a big, I don't know, I just felt like I was letting people down. Like it was like, it's your job. It's what like your identity yeah, and everything. Yeah, that's tough, huh? Yeah. Like you are, you're. You you're not it's not your full identity, but at this time in your life, yeah, I mean, you are uh, a downhill mum like racer yeah. to go get results. So and then there's yeah, but it 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 was a miracle it happened, man. I was also at the I'm like this race isn't happening. How are they gonna make it happen? And then no, Austria's got their things in a pile. It's gonna happen. I'm like, I was the same as you. I was like, this thing ain't happening. Yeah. Obviously, I'd love the guys to go and race. I don't want them to sit out a whole year. So yeah, mm. that's some seriously challenging challenging times. Because they, they went into lockdown at Portugal, didn't they? During the race, I'm pretty sure in the, like, the last two days, I think they went into lockdown, but they still somehow let them race. No, I had no idea how they did. But um, it's cool that they did, don't get me wrong, and obviously not everyone one could. But haven't you got a tattoo? Because you've it, it seems like you're going through these cycles of growth in your life. Um, because I yeah. listen, you know, listen to some old podcasts, and, 
and uh, you had some cool uh, views on life and that you want to, you're realizing to help other people is cool. That normally doesn't happen till you, I don't know, I don't know the facts, but I, you know, you normally go through a career, you're career driven, then it's family driven, then hopefully you've made enough money to support yourself. And then you kind of look back and go, hey, how do we help other people? And I'm, a, I'm kind of in that teetering phase trying to, you know, do a new career and help people because I've been helped along the way and you have that. But you've also got a tattoo, I think, that's kind of some wise which, which words. One? You've got that, which one? like the saying, I think. I've got one of my arms says merely a dream. Yeah. And that was off a uh, that was off a quote that I heard that said, um, what is it? Action without vision. No, what is it? Well you better get it right if you've got it on your it, arm. Yeah, no, that's why I don't want to mess it up. Yeah. <laughs> um, it said Vision without action is merely a dream. Action without vision is just passing the time. Action with, with vision can change the world. And it's a whole idea of I like, like if you just if you ha- if you just have like an idea, but you don't you don't act on that idea. It's just a dream. So like all these people are like, oh, I could I could do this. I could be president. I could be world champion. But they just think about it. You're not going to get it. But if you just go into the gym and working out every day and you're just doing all this stuff, but there's no vision to where you want to be. You just passing the time. Uh, I think that's powerful, hey. Pass a lot of people just pass the time. Yeah, no, I've got this goal. I'm doing this, but you're not really doing it. It's like people no. are like, hey, I'm not going to train because I'm kind of scared if I put a hundred percent in and I don't get it. That's a failure. I, I don't yeah. look at it like that. But people do yeah. that, don't they? People and people are scared. Like they're they're terrified to fail, and then once they do, that will scare them off. Like even how we're talking about before, how I didn't record my first podcast. Like I had those thoughts that I shouldn't do this. Like instantly. And that's what a lot of people will get when they try and do something. And that's, they don't understand that, that pain and failure are the only things that grow you. Like success success will grow you, but very minutely compared to, to failure and pain. Like there's no growth without pain and the pain of failing is, it will speed up everything so much faster than, than success will. Cause how often do you see like a successful junior win, 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 and then get in with the big league and then they just flounder. And then a lot of the time they quit because they haven't had the experience to actually push through the pain of failing and then work out how to win. And you know how I mentioned before that second place trophy? Well, that throughout that season, I just got hosed by this kid, like hosed. No matter If I had my best day, still would just put massive margins into me. And it just got me thinking from like my, my very first year of racing, which is like, how do I beat this guy? And from that point, I was like, how do I improve myself? How do I get better? And slowly, I just start training a bit harder. I'd ride a bit smoother. I would, I would think about it and he would still wax me. He'd beat me day in, day out. And I just kept to keep going back to the drawing board. And then eventually, I, I got it. I think it was the end of 20, when I was in under 17s, just one race, it all clicked and I beat him. And then it was just like, I did it. And I felt that accomplishment because of how much, it was like two, two and a half years, I think, of trying to beat this guy. And it was just the one, he's just, he was just, waxed everyone and then I finally beat him and then I think he did another season then he stopped like it, it was it was just like he's like oh, okay I don't want to do it like I'm not winning anymore I'm, I'm out and the same thing I guess with um even Connor and Troy like those two guys wax me <laughs> like day in day out as a, as a junior but then the pain of failing in it like day in day out was just like well how do I get better how do I improve how like and if you don't if you don't have that drive to try and improve and do it you just you're going to either just give up or just be in the, in the back row. So that was like, I remember going to races, especially I remember I went to a Vic race and like 
like looked up to Connor. Like I remember seeing him, even though he was only a year older than me, he was so far ahead of where I was and where I was going at that time that like he kind of idolized the guy in a way. Like he was honestly, like I reckon it was funny because he, him and Troy were like probably my two favorite riders as a kid growing up. And they were only a couple of years older, both of them, but they were so far ahead and they were doing stuff that I couldn't even imagine that I could do. But I kept looking at like, well, what are they doing? And then kept kind of like not, how would you say, like try and learn from them, like see what they're doing. Are they training? Are they riding more? And, and then you just slowly learn and, and, and build on that. And then you get to a point where you're like, oh, this is how you do it. Like it almost seems easy when you get there. Like it's a lot of work. Like it's a fucking yeah. lot of work. But yeah, it's it's like you see that with um, like child prodigies. I mean, I don't. I mean, I don't. Yes, there's natural talent and genes and stuff. But I personally believe that experience, work, and dedicated practice will get you to the top. I'm yep. obviously never going to be a basketball player with my height or strength or whatever. But you know, I've found mountain biking and I push myself. But what I'm getting at is, you you see some of the guys that are so good so early, like you said, they win everything. So they actually don't mm. learn the recipe. They just got yeah. on a bike earlier than a lot of people. Maybe their dad took them to a race. They won. They got some confidence. And it was just came naturally to them. But they never mm. learned to train. They never learned to push through adversity. They never learned how never to learned kind to of want, sacrifice. Want yeah, to want yeah. it. To go, then, okay, I'm, yeah. I'm willing to sacrifice a certain thing to get a goal. And then you do see those guys kind of burn out or realize or just not be able to keep up with dedication, sacrifice, and work. And that beats talent every day of the yeah. week. I, I'm betting on a guy that's got grit and determination that's getting sixth. I'd rather mm. bet on that guy than the guy that's got first as a junior, I feel. Like sometimes, look, they do carry on to become insane prodigies. Don't get me wrong. They turn mm. into world-class athletes. Well, if, they, if they the learn a bit of the work. Yeah, Troy, he, he's so dedicated. He, he's he ready to the, work. He was, he's been the guy since he was 12. Like yeah. he, or you, you know, you were teammates with him when you were yeah. on Mongoose, yeah. Well, no, I've but got. He, I mean, I literally signed a signature to him, and then I felt like within a few years he was competing with us. So yeah, he, it was like shit. But he, you know, he went to Whistler as a youngster, so he got some experience. He'd been riding a lot and looking up to everyone. But he, he'd learned sacrifice work. I mean, he can he trains mm. like the best of them. So yeah, that's exactly. Exactly, That's but I guess he's, he's the odd case that he's 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 just never been off his game, ever. Like I'm pretty sure I want to do a stats thing, where I get the lot because I want to do a um a thing of like the 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 fastest decade. Like who was who's been the most good? If you get all the results from every year from 2010 to 2020, or just say 2012 to 2022 now, yeah. and put every single year into like a calculator, what would the overall look like? And I would say Troy would probably be at the top of that from like the last ten years because he's he's but not his been that. podium strike rate's insane. It, it, Greg's exactly. was for a while as well, but obviously he's had some injuries and some other things to deal with. No, that his consistency is is so mm. insane. But now talking of yeah. consistency, so you've reached you know probably some goals you maybe didn't even set for yourself, like a podium at a World Cup. Um, yeah, that is. That when you're growing up is obviously one of the one of the first goals, top ten, and then a podium. But talk to me. Have you found something that you can maybe bring that helps you maybe do more consistent podiums? Because I know you found some serious consistency in 2019. I mean, top ten in the world World Cup overall. So something there clicked, you know. Mm. I think one thing I'm trying to really, I guess, wrap my mind around is the idea of like flow state. 
have you obviously you would have heard about that with when you were racing and and yeah you've obviously been in, in race runs before where everything just kind of clicks and works so i've been um i've been reading a book recently called the rise of Superman, and it kind of goes in depth into flow state and this kind of comes back to what you're saying like this holistic approach and i think a big thing for me is um like when i went to that race at buller and i said i was just happy to be there i've been kind of working around this thing of like gratitude just to just about everything I get to do, like just the whole process and just being able to ride my bike, take the race out of it, take everything out of it, result, whatever. I just get to go ride my bike around good people and I'm just happy to do that. So when I went to Buller, I was like just trying to focus on, and I've been doing a lot more, because it's just to try and get in the flow state. It's like obviously a combination of a million things coming to one objective that you want to do. So before my run, I think it would have been like five minutes before my race run, I'm pedaling around, I just kind of stop. And I'm just like, think about where I'm at, like just not just at the place, but just point in time, what I get to do, who I'm around, just everything. And in that moment, I don't care about the result. I have no, I'm, I'm happy in that moment and I really appreciate what I get to do and I get the gratitude of this is awesome. So if I go into that race run and I get a flat tire in the first five meters, I don't care. Like I, I, I'm trying, I've got this, I guess you would call it like a bit of a new philosophy where it, it means everything and nothing at the same time in the sense that it means everything to me because I'm going to give it my all. Like I'm going to absolutely bury myself, but at the same time it means nothing because if it, I don't, it doesn't turn out the way it should, I'm, I'm it's not, it's not going to change my mood in any way. Like I've already won the race before I've even opened the gate. Like it's, and looking at it like that. And every time I have looked at race runs like that and got myself in that mindset of, I don't really care. I always do well. Like it's like a it's like a recipe to put yourself in that flow state. Like gratitude and that mindset then produces, I guess, a flow state. And I know from last year, no, no last year, 2019, um, at World Champs, it was it was <laughs> it, it's honestly changed the way I guess I looked at mindset and racing and how going into 2021 I want it to be. But I um I got into the flow state at the top of Mont Saint Anne, like just a, just completely different. Like I've ridden in uh, like the rest of the season. Well, I'd never had a race run where I got into that zone mm. and I was so focused and I was just coming to sections. Just everything was working. Like I was just uh, no effort, nothing at all. I was just, I was in this state. And then I looked at the split times and I was first at the first split at world champs. And I think Luke was one, one, one on everything else. But I like, I took away one of his ones and he at the time obviously was the world champ. He became world champion and the overall winner. So I'm like, I could take a one away from the guy. I just needed to get my mind in that flow state. And now that I've seen, I can, I'm trying to work towards getting in that state more often. And at Buller, I definitely got in that state for my race run and everything flowed well. And it's like, if I can find that state on a regular basis at a world cup and I'm doing as much like training as possible, like I said, I've moved, like if I can get into that state, I feel like that's when something can like, that's when consistency will come. That's when the, like the results I know I can do will come. So it's just like trying to find, that flow state again and I know it's like when I think it sounds like I mean you're also putting yourself very much in the present moment if you're looking yeah. around and, and feeling gratitude and taking the pressure of the result on being able mm. to just be grateful that you're there you're going to give it exactly. your all and but I mean if you really practice a state that if you have a flat or if you have a crash and you don't lose the whole weekend I mean that that is one big key because downhill is so mm. tough. You've got that one chance on Sunday, but you could have had good practice, good time, good qualifying, mm. you know, 
and then you get a you get a flat tire now is that whole weekend a failure like what about all the no. work you put in what about all the flow states you were you know for qualifying and all that i mean you didn't really succumb to pressure you just had a say a mechanical or you pushed too hard and you had a crash and it did sound like you got to the point that you're going to try not lose a whole weekend just because of a result and that's i, I mean I that's like a fine art to to get to that place that's not going to be mm, easy every, every time it is tricky but i always tell people don't let three minutes determine the last week and that's what people do and that's what i used to do and that's what a lot of kids it's a good do. life quote let, that oh but that's hey? what people like don't don't let a moment determine your happiness over the course of a weekend that's what i said like i yeah. went to that race and I was just happy to be there. I was happy to be present. And I think that's something I kind of have to take. You've just got to take a, like, just literally stop and just think about where you're at, where you are and where, what you're doing. And I just, I think about that now more, more often than I used to. And it's just like, what I get to do is amazing. Who I am around are awesome. Like everything about it's good. So I'm like, how could I let something so minuscule as just getting a flat tire or something that happens? It's like shit happens. And then why should I let that bring me down? And then why should I bring down other people? Like a thing like that same race when I was talking about Monsignan, I always, I tell people because I obviously crashed and burned, but I gave it everything and I got in that flow state. Like I, I, I was in something that is so elusive and so hard to get into. Like I was in it, even though I crashed, I was like, I still got, I guess the, like the, I think the whole probably goal of life is to find that flow state. Like do something you truly love at the highest possible level and then have the whole world watch like that in itself is a pretty fucking cool thing yeah, to do. yeah i mean not not a lot of people this is a small one percent or way less that can do things like yeah. that so it's amazing that you it's a but it's it's sounding like a proper conscious decision until it becomes subconscious because everyone's yeah, like no. oh if you're hearing this you're probably like huh woohoo like oh yeah like act positive it's like no but i mean yeah. sometimes you have to force yourself to be grateful or consciously go, hey, I'm, I'm really going to appreciate this week even if I don't do well. It doesn't mean you're not trying hard. I remember a race back when I was, was Bromon or something and I, I just had a, a history of just kind of having a good run and then, then just saving it to get over the finish line. And mm. I crashed quite close to the finish line and I wasn't pumped. I was like, I was attacking all the way to the finish. That was my goal. Yeah to not nurse it into the finish line and get eighth. You know, I'm always, I was good at the splits at that time. But anyway, more importantly, I'm kind of relating that. I understand that feeling. You're like, I'm pumped. You give it everything. I gave it everything. I attacked to the finish line. I crashed. I overdid it fine. But my goal was to give a full run all the way to the finish Mm -hmm. and I I achieved that goal. Yes, my results Mm -hmm. sucked. But if you if you take yourself and you just retract and you look down on the world, yeah. I mean, how small is a moment oh. in Mount Sinan as a downhill run? Yeah, in the yeah, whole exactly. scheme of like the whole globe, you know. Yeah, exactly. And I thought it was so cool because I got to the bottom, and everyone thought I was going to be disappointed or angry, which is like the obvious reaction of just crashing your world champs run. I got to the bottom and I was so pumped, and I remember I like I changed my dad's mood completely instantly he went i came up to me tapping me on the back oh buddy you're on a good and i just turned around i was like that was fucking awesome like how good was that and he was like he was shocked he didn't understand he didn't understand how i could react that way after that had happened and i always say like no one could because they couldn't feel the feelings i had up until that point but it's just like i like i I told people i talked to loik at um 
snowshoe just uh, not long after i thought this was really cool because he, he we were talking about his run and he was saying how like he just pushed that edge like he got into that state and he's like i i lived like i like that's like i felt alive and i was like yeah. i felt the same thing and i was like i got dead last he got first and we felt the exact same thing and that's why i'm like that's why i was pumped when i got to the bottom because i had that feeling and it's just like and people don't see it they don't understand it so then they they think he's gonna throw a negative at it and i was just like no nah, i can't do that but then I thought, like, why ever throw a negative at something? It's happened. Let's learn from it. Let's move forward. Like, let's just not dwell on it. Like, that's the thing. It's like, it, it was all a lesson. And I know the gap I went for was pretty, um, <laughs> not out there. I knew I could do it, but I was definitely just, and that was another thing. I was like, if I go for this and nail it, I might pull a second back. And that could be the difference between getting on the podium or being top 10. So I'm like, of course I'm going to go for it. And it didn't pay off. It doesn't always pay off, but I'm still pumped that I went for it. I would have been more angry at myself if I didn't go for it. And then I got 10. Okay. Especially in world champs. Yeah, it is the time to, there's no points on the line and stuff. So you can ride with a different attitude. That's cool. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. But no, like you said, if you you, you give everything and it it doesn't work out, you gave everything. And that's all you can ask out of yourself and anyone else. It's like if you give your all and it doesn't, you come up short, go back home, go back to the drawing board, keep putting in work, keep moving forward. But like, if you just give it all and fail and then get, like we said before, quit and it's done, what, like then what are you going to do? Then you just go back to passing the time. If you keep driving forward, you're actually working towards a goal that you have, like that's that's what I think like life's about and that's what I felt like I got to experience in that run. So, Well, thanks for sharing that. Yeah, that's that's awesome. And, and back to the flow state, it, it, it reminds me of when I spoke to a sports psychologist and we were started to go through things and it helped me a lot and I'll share with you and I want to hear your thoughts. So he was, I was saying, well, these guys are really consistent. Like I want to, it was, I was battling with, I could get on the podium and then I'd get like 15th or bomb out and then I'd get back on the podium and my confidence and stuff was obviously coming from the results, which is not right. But then he said, okay, let's look at the top guys. Let's look at Greg. Let's look at Gwyn. Say on their best day, let's call them nine and a half out of 10. You know, they put all their, their fitness together their mental, all that stuff. But you've just shown that on your good day or another rider can get on a podium. So you're pretty much your optimum performance is also near to maybe it's a 9.2. Maybe let's yeah. be honest, at this time in your career, your best is almost as good as them, whatever it is. But he said the problem is they are doing their processes and all their prep and they're getting closer to their potential and you just somehow sitting here at five or six some of the races it's not that you can't do it you just haven't mm. figured out the processes and your preparation or like you say i've got a new uh, lease on racing and a flow state that's going to get me to hopefully perform more in my potential it's not that you don't have it and i think that was key to me understanding like they're not superhuman they're just able no. to tick on their potential a lot more because of their process because of how they and greg said it as well like he he's super Uh, race smart he's super street smart but i mean he's got this crazy way and he says well at a big race say at home he just ticks more boxes Mm. you know he's just so focused on his processes you know getting his lines done getting his bike set up i think that's why he tinkers with his bike because then he can say well Mm. i've done everything i can or he takes his mind off the pressure you know and he's tinkering with his bike he's like i think you're almost obsessed at that point and that's where you need to be like you almost need to be obsessive about like everything at that point like sleep what you eat what you drink like you say tinkering on your bike like trying to find that one percent i think the top guys honestly just want it more like realistically when it comes down to it they want it more and they'll put in that extra time and that and do those processes like yeah 
obviously like you say with Greg, like he's always tinkering. He's always trying to find time because he's obsessed with the idea of, I guess, winning and just being where he is and where he's done. And I think I see more and more now that it's just like, you've just got to want it like okay. all the time. Yeah. Like I think one, one thing with those guys and like you say, you've got to want it and know your potential. And I think once you start to see where your potential could be, you almost, you start to want it more. Cause you're like, well, it's right there. It's just like, cause potentials, it's a, um, it's not Garrett. Like it's, it's one thing I've, I've, I guess I see more of myself now because of how I see it in other people. Like as a, there's a young kid I help out and I see the potential he has. And I just, I, it's, I like I see what he could become and in my head like it's just like oh, I want to do so much to help him achieve that and as I started thinking about that I was like how many people have looked at me the same way I look at that kid and go look at all his potential if he just did this little bit more here or he just did that little bit more or like added a different process or did that like he's so close and that made me start thinking about it. I'm like like yeah like let's just do that like let's do everything that I feel like I should do or what people feel I should or just let, let's just let's take all those questions out of the equation like obviously there's always more you can do but I feel like there was always I was always lacking in things okay. and I and I, I and I feel like I honestly have like scratched the surface of my potential and then it's like when you start to realize that and then start to push past what you thought your potential was is like that's and that's what I want to do. That's why I want to go back racing again. Like I kind of just want to, I want a yardstick. I want to see where I'm at. Cause it's like I said, I've changed my mindset. I've changed my drive and it's, it's, I just, I just want to see now, like I'm, I'm very, very interested to see like what, what will, what this will create, like this way of thinking and this way of training and this way of it being realistically and just, yeah, see what the, see what the potential is. Because yeah. like he's, when you, when you had the sports psychologist, did he, um, I guess, like, talk to you about, like, you, like what you thought your potential was or where you, you saw yourself? Well, that's – and that's where we had to – we got it on paper. And he's like, okay, well, let's put some facts down. And that's where we yeah. were saying, like, you've got to be you, – you know, you've got to see it to believe it. And you can't just fake yeah. confidence. That comes from demonstrated practice, I believe. It's showing yourself that you mm. can do it, you know, and not having the confidence just come from a result. It's like, well, when I – do this with my training, with this with my this, this, then you can get your mm. potential. And we did it. We had, I remember we had pieces of paper and state like that. Um, mm. So he definitely did that. And it helped me see that on a more consistent basis, I could be up there. Yeah, you know, it helped me see that. And, and, and I appreciated that at the time, definitely. But also we worked on all sorts of things like being present, you know, because mm. you're just in that, that one moment. Did you talk about visualization at all? Yeah, definitely. We did. Yeah, yeah. Did you have, have you was that a thing you used when you were when you were racing to try and like get yourself or see yourself in a moment or a place or, or like a podium or anything like that? Was that something you you kind of could go into? Yeah, I mean, I I I wrote down some goals and stuff and then I parked them for the year and then I tried to just be in that moment, but I was definitely uh not as good at staying in the present, you know. Mm. I would I would get, a, get ahead of myself for sure. I mean, you're at the top of the mountain. You're like, okay, if I get down the hill smoothly, I'm going to be on the podium or top 10 or whatever the goal was. I mean, that's too far ahead. That's you're riding defensively. Is this at a race though? Or is this beforehand? Like, No, that would, like, be, when, that, that would be at a race. Like at the top of the race after qualifying well, or feeling good on a track. You're like, okay, yeah. I just need to get down this hill. But I mean, that's wrong. You've, it's got to be present moment. You know, you've got to, like you say, doesn't matter what I get. But have you? Did you ever do it before the season starts? Like for for an example, like 
I'll be like, and even recently, it hasn't happened for a while now, but like a couple, just say two weeks ago or something, I was just driving my van and I see myself like at a world cup. I see myself and it's weird. It's weird. I don't see myself like winning the race or whatever, but I see myself like talking to like the interview person at the bottom, the crowds there. Cool. And I just yeah. like have that feeling of like, and I, and I go there like, like, and I've got like, I've like talk, like getting an interview, like I've just won or whatever. And I'll like almost like pretty much have tears in my eyes from like, feeling like that that like that's happening and that will give me drive to push myself awesome and it's it's a bit of a trip because i remember as a kid like i used i use visualization a lot for those moments so i feel like it gives you fuel towards that goal that you want to achieve because you see yourself in that moment and you feel those feelings of what that would actually feel like and this this will probably trip some people out definitely trip me out so i as a kid obviously you have a goal of like being on a world cup podium or winning or whatever it is but when I was before I even raced a world cup, like I, that was, a, I, would, I would visualize that I'd visualize myself racing a world cup. And then as I started racing world cups, it continued on. And I had this vision of like coming down and getting a podium or winning a race. And I was like, um, in tears, like crying. Cause I was that happy about that, like creating that moment. And then when I first got my first podium at Lenzerheide, it didn't feel like that. Like I was pumped, but I got more, emotion out of the visualization of that moment than I did in the actual moment it happened. And I'm like, how crazy, like I was just, just riding a track by myself on an afternoon, just say at Mount beauty or something and come and sprinting down at the end and like finishing and just being like, like, yep, done it. And then you go to a world cup and actually do it. And just like, like I was like, I, was, I don't want to take away. I was not like, I wasn't excited. Like I was over the moon, but the feeling I had months before at home, just, doing like yeah with no one around by myself do you think that's because you kind of in a weird way experienced it you know i think uh, yeah i think you've kind of emotionally experienced it so you're almost a bit used to it when it actually happened that's that's fascinating yeah, exactly. and so many things but, are come coming to mind i mean that's that's incredible and i do believe visualization is powerful i think putting yourself in uncomfortable situations even if you don't handle them well you've got to do it again 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 and that's like you you want to and I challenge people, if you put yourself in uncomfortable positions, you might not do well the first time, you might do a little bit better the second time. The reason these top athletes in the world are doing so mm. well is they're getting used to it. They still shit themselves yeah. on the inside. Like you still get nervous. But that's another, another thing comes up and that's with people that are trying to achieve crazy financial success or whatever it may be. And, and eventually you get that. And like you say, I mm. got the podium. I didn't feel a lot different, did I? Because the next day, you got to hop on a plane. You got to do your dirty yeah. laundry. You, you like life goes on. It's so odd. Like you, it does, it it's amazing stop, no. to achieve goals, but then life just carries on, and you're just the same yeah. person with a different CV and race result. You can't attach your happiness to that moment or that 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 object or that goal. Like it's like you said, it's always something that's going to come next. And I guess I was always, I guess when I started racing, like, oh, I want to make this go as long as I can. And like, if it, if it ends, I'm going to be so bummed. But now I'm, I honestly like, I, I still love racing so much. And I still got so much to give. And I feel like I've got so much potential to give and I can't wait to get back. But honestly, at the same time, once that the ride is over, I'm I've, like, I'm, I'm not like, I don't know. Like I, I don't, I care and I don't care at the same time. Like I'm so, I, I know that whenever something gets taken away, there's always a million other things you can like avenues you can go down. And, and I think that's going to, I think it just takes a lot of pressure off. Mm, yeah. That's powerful. If you can truly believe that and feel that it's okay. If it yeah. Is, yeah. 
Yeah, it's like it, literally I just look at things like bad things don't happen. Things just happen and you react to those things. And it's like you have whatever choice you want to react to that. So I think, like I said, with, with, with if racing just does get taken away, like I've got a point now where it's just like like there's, there's so many other things you can do. And I think that that gives me, I guess, just a bit more clarity and makes me, like I said, just, just ha- happy whichever direction it does go, which I think is something that, like I said, I just take pressure off any situation really. Like if you got like I think, and that's what a lot of people at races they're so, I guess, I can't not lose. Like I can't lose. Like I, can't I was fail the same they- as that. Eventually, later on, I was just like relieved to get a good result, and not that happy when I no what yeah relieved to get a good result, and so despondent when I got a bad one. But I wasn't even that happy with a good one later on, and and that was yeah. just I was coming to the end of wanting to be there or burnt out so yeah i can understand that there's there's some really wise words dean and i I hate to challenge not challenge you but i think it seems like a lot of your challenges have made you you who you are and and maybe speak to some of those as a youngster because i know you started sharing some things that you experienced and a lot of people just see everyone and think oh it's roses and it's peachy at the top but i mean you Mm. went through some real well, life-changing experiences as a youngster, and you've started speaking about those. And, and I think that's really, I commend you on that because it's powerful. And, and if you just help one person realize, shit, even one of the top races in the world didn't have it that easy, but look what he's done with his life. Like that's inspirational to me. If you are comfortable speaking about some of that stuff. Yeah, for sure. I Like I don't like, never like sharing negativity because it's just like, I, I feel like it's not it's not helpful and like, well it's not even negativity but I guess more or less I don't know I don't know what you call it sadness or like I don't I don't want to bring people down unless that pain can help them or unless that can that can actually have a greater good in a way so I don't want to be the guy that like mopes around about like a sad sack story or anything like that but if you can see if someone comes out like I remember someone said to me I read somewhere I don't know how, where I found it but it was along the lines of. Um, if you tell something like if, if, if you just say you're in pain or like that they've had a negative experience or something, but you're still in there, you're sharing your pain. But if you share something bad that's happened to you and you've gone through, but you're, you're optimistic now and you're happy and you're hopeful and all that, you're sharing your hope because it's like you can be in that negative place, but you can come out of it. And once I started seeing that, I was like, I guess, like you said, like a lot of, like I, I realized my audience is like a mainly young boys and like, like young girls as well, but like mainly young guys. And I was like, I know. And it's like, once you get out of that kind of place, it's hard to kind of look back at it. And I'm sure. And then I started to realize, I'm like, I've got a big platform to help a lot of people. And then I was like, why not use it then? So the, when I went on gypsy tales, that's when I, I don't know for what reason it was like a few weeks, maybe two, three weeks before, but I just, I was after the 2019 season and I obviously got top 10. That was my goal. And just life started going, in this new direction, which was just like all these things started happening just to kind of point me in just this new way of, I guess, being, thinking, feeling, just just happy on life, just pumped. And it was from achieving like a lifelong goal of getting a top 10 and it was just life was flowing well. The team was good. I was making good money. I was in a good place and all these things. And then I just had a moment where I'm just like, I just want to start sharing that I'm in this place because I got to, I literally got to a point where I'd never been so happy in my life. Like it felt this new sense of happiness and just... I, it's it's hard to put into words and it's just like when I found it like I just I had this new energy and I was just it was I, I, I can't put it into any other way of like I built that over 2019 from doing all these things anyway that happened and when I got there it was just funny that 
I got to this newfound happiness. And then I thought, well, fuck, I came from this point when I tried to commit suicide when I was, I think I was about 10 or 11 or something like that. And I thought back to that and I was like, how, like it was just like the pendulum had swung from one side to the other. Like it went from the lowest low and then I was on the highest high. So I thought, why not share that? Like, why not share that you can be in that place and come out of it? And how many, like, I just thought how many people that could help. And it did help. Like the, the response I got from that podcast was like overwhelming. And I remember just getting just people opening up, like people sending me messages. Like I've never told anyone this before, but after listening to the podcast, I just wanted to tell you this. And like, oh, wow. it was, I got, I got, I got heavy messages, like really heavy, but like, I obviously got that off their chest and help. And so many kids, man, like heaps of kids, like I was struggling. I'd broken up with my girlfriend. I wasn't in a good way, all this stuff. And they're like, oh, but I did this. And now I've tried to start doing new things. And dude, that response to me, like lifted me even higher than I already was. And then that was like, the crazy thing was that sharing some, like the lowest point in my life then put me on the highest point. And that's the whole, I guess, the idea of like yin and yang and everything that has a negative has a positive. And then I started to look at that like anyone that is struggling right now that feels like they're at the, the bottom of like the low of lows, like where you are now will have the equal positive at some point. And yeah. that should help get you out. That should, that should be like the lifeline that gets thrown to you now that you're like, I'm in the lowest of low now, but this has an opposite effect at some point. And like mine took me 14 years. You care. That's a big burden to carry. Do you feel lighter after being able to speak about it? I mean, the, yeah. Like, thank you for sharing that. That's so deep, man. Yeah. So it was not like, no, not like I. I just felt good. Like I just, I was just like I just, I didn't care because as a child, like when it first happened, like I felt so much. I guess just like I, like it was what the fuck was I doing? And I didn't want to tell anyone. It was just like burden yeah kind of a burden i guess but then when i started telling people it's just like and then so many people were surprised that was the that was the biggest thing like no one everyone was like like what because they obviously had seen me i guess i got more or less mountain bike famous yeah no one would exp- i even spoke to my brother about it i'm like oh, i'm gonna chat to dean he's like yeah how crazy what he shared you know like no one look it's no, you can't judge yeah, a book that- by its cover you don't know what anyone's been through or going through internally eh? yeah yeah and that's what I just, I, and then once I realized that like the, the amount of kids that that's what they said, they, they, I guess they look at me as like this guy that's, they probably found me when I started racing world cups and they're like, look at this kid. Like he, he lives the life. He's like with girls. He's always overseas. Yeah, he's, he's a good looking Aussie guy racing a bike. I mean, what could be wrong? Same thing happened with Soderstrom. You know, he went through some serious anxiety and a panic attack. I don't know if you heard about that. I hadn't heard about that, no. Yeah, I had him on the podcast and he was so honest and opened up and he thought he was going to die. He had a panic attack, went to hospital and it was from all the pressure of he put on himself, the industry and to compete and mm-hmm. come back and the identity and, and just being this biker that he was. And I mean, you look at the guy, you're like, he's always happy, good looking Swedish dude, he's incredible on a bike. And he yeah. was dealing with so much anxiety and maybe, a, I don't know, I don't know the correct medical term of what he was going through. But his whole Robin, body shut down because he couldn't yeah. take it anymore. Yeah, it's a lot, of, a lot of stress to handle. And you look at someone like Robin Williams, I think yeah. he's a perfect example. Like he committed suicide and just like, same thing, who, no one would have picked it. Last person to pick on the planet. And it's just like, that's the thing, you, you, like you said, you can't judge a book by a cover and you don't know what people have gone through and what they've overcome, but... Yeah, that's something I just never wanted to promote it at all. And then I kind of, I just had a moment where I was like, this can help people. This can, this can make people like, 
see, see a new path or say, oh, well, he went from there to here. Maybe I can go from here to there. And it's, I, I think it did help people. I think it helped a lot of people. And then the reaction I got from that, I guess, like I said, it put me on a high. And I think that's why I'm so, I love the whole idea of podcasting. And I, I feel like you get a really genuine, honest self comes out of it. And, and you can really engage with the person and like understand who they are and what they feel and just what they're about really. And I've just, I don't know, I think that's, that's part of what, why I guess you obviously enjoy that fact as well. It's like you, you don't just get an Instagram photo or you get like a short video, like you actually get an in-depth idea of how someone thinks, what they want to do, what their goals are, vision, everything. And I feel like that's a real thing we lack now. Like it's funny, everything seems to be getting shorter, like TikToks, like mm. 15 seconds, like these little like, and it's so quick and fast and over and done. But like, I feel like podcasting seems to keep growing as well, but then that's the polar opposite. Like people want that connection. They want that more in depth feeling of like how someone's act, how someone ticks more or less or how someone, what someone feels like. And I think that's, it's just funny. We have like Instagram, which is just like quick photos and TikTok with quick photos, but then also podcasting, it just keeps growing as well. And that's three hours of being inside someone's head more or less. So it's just yeah. funny how it's, the two, it's, the two, they're two polar conf- opposites. But I mean, look at, and yeah. that's definitely why. I mean, there's many reasons why I started it, and I'm so glad I did. And now I get to have this awesome conversation with you. And hopefully, like you said, if if we together with your story can help one person, I mean, yeah. that's a win. That's that's a hundred percent a win. It's worth our time speaking. I'll go edit it. We, you know, and and we promote it. But if one guy comes away and, and realizes, shit, he's you know he's in a really bad place and, and everyone yep. goes to their own struggles and everyone deals with different, but maybe if he can pick up one thing from your blueprint and say, well, let me try that. Yep. Let me, they, they spoke a lot about action, you know, you know, mm. so let me just start doing things. Let me, you know, get up earlier or maybe, maybe I need to exercise more. Maybe I'll feel better because of that. And then that'll get me out of my head or whatever it is, whatever blueprint you're sharing. Mm. Um, I think it's fascinating I- and, and it's so awesome. And I think, yeah, races people there's such a big story behind why they so good on a bike yes they spend mm. a lot of time riding a bicycle or playing a certain sport you know but there's all this psychology and mental which i love it's fascinating to me and thanks so much for sharing that dean i, I think even though you've shared it before it, it must be still not easy to share it each time honestly no nah, i'm i'm i really am i don't care about it now hey in the sense that like it does like i i know it's going out there for the right reasons so there's no part of me that's like i shouldn't just because i know the reaction it can get from people and it, like i said i feel like it's just it gives hope to people and i don't like i don't i almost don't like saying that in the sense that i don't want to like blow my own horn but like i love where i'm at in my life like truly love it like i i get it i do my dream job i get to travel and I think that's why I like to share it so much because I'm just like I've seen how I've seen how good life can be and how good you can make your own life by just achieving goals you want to achieve, being around the people you want to be around, just creating the life that you want. And I've done that and I'm just pumped all the time. So, of course, I want to like share that with people then try and pump them up. And when, when I say I'm pumped all the time, I like again, I definitely have my low spots now. Like even when I broke my finger recently when I was riding, like it was just like a little hurdle and I was, I was bummed about it. Like it was like all this work, we're going the right direction. Like did that. And honestly, yeah, for a few days there, just like, Oh, like what is like, and it just little things started compounding and then you start to get down, but you never just, you almost like you've, you, you're watching yourself. Like, you know, it's almost like I look at myself as a third party when that starts happening and you're just like, no, 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 this is as low as we're getting. Like we, it's not low, low, but it's like, we're okay. not pumped, yeah. but we're all, 
like you're watching yourself and you've got like a life jacket because you're like you're not getting any more deep water, but like you're not at the level you know. But you can never be at the, you never run at a hundred percent all the time. No, no. I think I think going too high creates super low lows as well. You know, yeah. that's just how I feel, and everyone's wired differently. But it's so it would be so easy for us to not speak about that, and then you go, oh, I'm pumped, I'm positive, I've got a dream job, I suffer, I train, yeah. it's hard. People are like. Well, yeah, of course you do, Dean. I mean, I would also be yeah. pumped if I was racing bikes around the world. It's like, well, have yeah. you seen what I went through? You've just shared yeah. that I went through a really low low. And in, yeah. I think in life, correct me if I'm wrong, suffering is a constant. You will suffer. Yeah. Suffering is what you, 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 you should like embrace the suffering. Like you're going to have yeah. times where you have a few years of everything's going well with life, everything's going good career, and then you might lose a family member. I've mm. been through that. I'd like the best mm. career. I was so happy. And then I literally decided that it was time that I was going to stop racing. And then I lost my dad. And he was like a huge yeah. part of my racing of my whole life. And then, shit, I was like, I actually, that's when I really needed him. Because I'm going to transition from racing and what, you know, we all, is the only thing I knew. And then I yeah. lose like a really big part of that. And, and yeah. I don't need sympathy because everyone goes through things and it's worse. But everyone yeah. suffers you know and i think maybe that's a good message is you're going to suffer and and everyone suffers just you know mm. you've got to put action in place to kind of get through those dark times but when that would have happened that would have taught like he would keep teaching you even after he passed away yeah, like he almost yeah. happened like it's it's i always say this when people pass it's like then they probably do the most teaching where did you where did you come across that like view? Because I one thousand percent agree, and I've lived that process. But is did someone tell you that? How did you come to that? Someone someone's come up with a, con a guy called Paul Check. He has this idea of the pain teacher, and it's the whole idea that every time we go through pain, whether it be physical, emotional, whatever it is, like it, it you you learn from that in some way. And that's I actually I have a close friend, and her father passed away recently, and we were chatting and. She's she's only she's only 19 and she's um so mature for age like so so mature and I was just like when I was I was because I didn't realize that dad had passed away and I was like like what like wh how did you grow up so quick almost like how are you so like far ahead of where I I thought you would be and she's like oh um I was like did something happen and she's like oh my father passed away when I was 17 oh wow and as as like as sad as that is like look at the person she's become and I was just looking I was like your dad has been has taught you so much. And it, he obviously taught when he was there, but then when he passed away, he yeah. was still teaching. That's why you're so mature and so grown up and so like, like a good person. And it's because that, like that amount of pain, it's a whole, again, back to the yin and yang, like the pain of losing someone, but then you get the, the knowledge from that person going and like the, the growth of that, what that pain has to offer. So yeah. it's like the, the, every, every time something like painful happens, you have the opportunity to grow from it. Oh, hundred percent. And, and it's been crap. It's been hard. Like, subconsciously mm. it's it does bring me down and it's really tough but i chose to move ahead and also i've i said to my brother i said i'm just i'm grateful we got that many years with him you know i'm lucky yeah. i mean i could it could have been 17 that could have changed my whole life trajectory if it happened when i was 17 but it happened mm. crazy enough how weird is that like after my career it's like he gave me everything yeah. taught me all those lessons supported me to get he was like one of my biggest fans. Actually, he was the biggest fan, I would say. It was, a, it was actually crazy. Yeah. And then now I'm at the point that you're right. I mean, he taught me everything I know. And, and I heard a saying, gone, gone from being somewhere to being everywhere. And like you said, he's, yeah. he's always around the corner. You like do something, you're like, 
oh, it's that stupid thing I learned from him or, oh, that saying, you, you start using more of those things. And, and I'm trying to be grateful that I got that many years with someone and then they can continue to teach me. But it's back to that, like, it was, we suffered as a family and through that, it'll, it'll not, it's never going to really get much better, but it's going to be different without him. Yeah. And, and maybe for you as well, I mean, that suffering has taught you to be grateful, to make yeah. the most of you know what you can do so yeah it's yeah suffering is constant in life it's just how you kind yeah, of deal with it eh? and look at it yeah it's, it's, yeah accepting it it really accepting, yeah, accepting it, it, it yeah yeah and it's i yeah that's funny it's funny now that like it's I don't, like i don't enjoy pain but like i i don't i don't react negatively to it i almost every time something that i wouldn't perceived as being good happens like something i look at i'm like what's like literally what is this teaching me like what am i going to get out of this mm. and i feel like if you go to that with the situation like that's why i said bad things don't happen things just happen you have to react to them and if you almost it's like when i say again with being third third person instead of like the whole idea of something you think bad happens and then you react negatively it's almost like something happens and then you almost watch yourself what you do and as you start to check yourself it's like just say from your dad passing away, it's like obviously the reaction is sadness and despair and all that stuff. But if you just look at it and go, like you said, like you got this many years with him and like you start looking at the positives of the situation and like what he was able to produce with you and your brother and like that lifestyle and everything, you start looking at that, you've just gotten rid of the sad despair card and you've just looked at his life and what it got to create. And that in itself is like that should put you, like that should make you feel good. Like, yes, he's not here, but like, you're only bummed that he's not here because of what he created. And then if you focus on what he created and what, when he was there, I'm like, that's, that's the good shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like, it's now it's like, Oh, I wish I could share this podcast journey with him. He would love that. Yeah. Or like we open the bike shop. I'm like, shit, he'd be really proud of us. And especially my brother. And he's not yeah. here, but I'm grateful. Like, with that being not here, I'm, I'm honestly, I'm a big advocate of like, once you die, I think like, I think you kind of just go, you, like you say, you're everywhere. Like, you, you are you, everywhere. You, I'm, I'm like, and this is something that, um, have you ever done like the, the breathing thing? There's this Wim Hof thing. No, but, but Matt's brought it up and now you've brought it up. So I yeah. think you're going to have to keep me accountable and yeah. maybe some listeners and maybe we'll go on a journey and, uh, I'm going to download the app and, and get into and it. And you're going to force me to. It's, um, it's one, like I got into it through a friend. And it's like you breathe in and out, like real aggressive for about, I think, 30 breaths or something. And then you breathe out and hold your breath. First time, you don't really get much out of it. You're kind of like, okay. And you hold it for about a minute and a half. And the second time, you hold a bit longer. And realistically, it's kind of messed up in a way that like you, you're like obviously cutting off oxygen to your breath by the time like hold your breath for as long as you can. Shit, really? Okay. But you go into this deep state of like kind of nothingness. And you're not really in your body, you're just in your head. And it just feels like you don't, like almost like you've got no feeling in your body. You just feel like you're in your head and you just, when I've done it, there's had a few times I've done it and I just feel overwhelming connection with everything, with like the people in the room, like every, every, everything that I'm around. I just feel like I just get out of my body and absorb into everything. And I just feel like that's probably the closest thing that I feel like death would be like. And that feeling is not like it was, it's not a bad feeling. I just feel like it won with everything. It's, and I guess people would probably listen to this and be like, okay, whatever you hippie, but like, try it, like give it a go and just see where, like where it can kind of take you. But again, I don't do it all the time. I just, I feel like it's almost good sometimes when you just like, I can't need to just like shut off and, and cause I, was, I was doing it a fair bit I was, and it, it was kind of almost losing its appeal in a way. Like I just try to like save it from like, okay, I think, I think I need to do one of these and see what I'll get from it. 
and there's yeah, just had a couple of times. I actually did a podcast. Um, it's called Time to Yourself, and I remember doing a Wim Hof, and I just I just felt overwhelmed with like this connection. And as soon as I got up from doing it, I just plugged my mic in and did a podcast. And yeah, it was just like this. I don't know. It's just cha- changed my mood, my feeling, everything. And it's just like the whole thing with death. I feel like that's it. When I think it just goes out, you just get absorbed into everything. Like how, like, I just don't understand how you kill consciousness. Like what we don't even know, like what is consciousness and like, how do you, how does that die? Like I understand a body dying, but just consciousness is like, I just feel like, yeah, I feel like it doesn't go anywhere. Well, it goes everywhere and nowhere at the same time. But that's the beauty of it. I mean, I don't, I haven't even thought about that and, and everyone, <laughs> it's great to hear opinions and thoughts. And I, I think you're really on like a growth mindset kind of thing. Like, Hey, this has happened. I have a choice how to react to it get on with things mm. and i did i got on a plane a f- few short months after that passing in 2017 and scott was super supportive they're like do whatever you want to do um and and i mean i'm thinking what would he want what me to mope around yeah. in south africa or hop on a plane and go to new zealand and hang out with brendan and and go see the people that i have all these memories with so yeah i just chose to move forward you know, yeah. I had to deal with a lot of stuff. Don't get me wrong. I still am dealing with it. So, yeah, we're not saying just be happy, go lucky. But, you yeah, know, like yeah. action is definitely better than, than, than nothing. Well, like you say, what would he want of you? To, what, what would he have wanted out of you? And like what you did was obviously be what he wanted to do. So it's like that. Like I always imagine, imagine if you died, but you came back at your funeral for like just five minutes and you'd just be like, stop crying. Stop being sad. Like I had a good time. Like we all had fun. Like just be pumped. I was here. Like you would, you would give a kick ass speech, but you would pump everyone up. Like you wouldn't come back and be sad. Would you, you'd come back and just be like, you'd be pumped at like obviously the sad because I had that connection with you, but I'd come back and be like, no one's crying. Everyone's having a good time. And then just peace out again. Like, but like, do you think it's selfish if I would want to have a living funeral one day? Because like <laughs> we, threw, we threw a celebration for my dad. Like we, this is awfully going off tangent, but I was like, fuck no. that. This is, he would want us to have some drinks. Yeah. Say some speeches, ce- celebrate a life. But yeah. like, he didn't even get to hear all the nice things people said about him or how he affected their life. Do you think yeah. it's selfish to be like, I don't know, if you make it long enough in life, you're like, I'm going to peg in like five years. Let's, I'm going to just throw myself a living funeral and then don't worry about it when I die? No, I, it's actually funny you say that. So I don't know why I've got this idea, but I've told people um, there's a place near where I live called, um, it's called, well, the, the, the mountain I go to, it's Mount Buffalo, but... This place called the horn and i've just told people i'm like when i pass away you're spreading my ashes up here and there's a big chalet like an old lodge and i was like and all my money i've got in my bank account all my assets you're selling it all and you're having a big kick-ass funeral here like you invite everyone you're just having an absolute time everyone's getting dressed up everyone's like just everything just that's my like that's my dying wish you can use yeah. all my money i said sell it all it's all going towards everyone having a fucking good time and I've told a few people that, so it better happen if I do go. But then I was thinking about, like, why don't I just do that while I'm here? Like, I want that you to happen. You should definitely so- do, throw your own party as well, yeah. Exactly, but that's what I was thinking. It was funny. I was, like, had all these plans how I'd do it. And I was like, oh, you did it dressed up and we'd get caterers and it'd be, like, an old-fashioned, like, it, 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 I'd just make it huge. And then I was just like, I'm around now. Like, let's just make it happen now. And then it'd be funny if that became a tradition and then just, oh, something like that. But yeah, it's funny how you say just, just have it, but then get all the people to say what they should say. And that's another thing. It's like people, people don't say how they feel. And then like, you don't know one day when they're not going to be here. And it's just like, just say it when they're here. 
because they don't know what you're thinking. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. Got no, no idea what someone's thinking, and and like you don't know when they're gone. And that's an, um, oh, like I, t- I talked about this as well in the gypsy tale thing. But I think with Stevie, like the last thing I said to that guy before he was gone was terrible, and I never, like I'm never going to see him again. So it's like I just want to say nice things to people, or like yeah, pump them up while they are here, because like. Saw him in Cairns and he didn't come to Fort William. That was it. It was just like it was done. So you, you don't know. You really have no idea. Yeah, you don't. I, I'm so I, – I, fuck, I don't have regrets. Or luckily I did, wasn't on a in, a in a bad way with a family member or something. But there, a lot of people are. That's, that's a tough burden. But hmm. I do believe in exactly. that. Like be careful how you leave things with someone you care about. You know, I mean some people just don't get on. Like, okay, but then he's not your friend anyway. Okay, but maybe – yeah, me, so, me and my mum were um we were fighting a fair bit. Her and dad were going through a divorce, so we were kind of at each other's throat a little bit over just heaps of stuff. And we're getting a big argument, and it would just be like, "No, I'm going." But every time before I left, I'd say, "I love you," and give her a hug. But you, but you learned that from from something you went through with the late Stevie, though. From Stevie, I've got a tattoo on my leg that says "Kill them with kindness," and it's someone like giving the finger, but then instead of the finger, it's like a bouquet of flowers. <laughs> That's and sick. That, yeah. And that's the whole idea. It's just like even when you're about to like either punch the guy in the face or give him the finger, just be like, nah, and then just give him something good. It's so powerful, man. I'll, uh, I, I haven't quite succeeded in that way of doing things, but it's you can't even fight it if someone's so kind when you're angry. Yeah. Or make yeah, like so a joke I, of things like humor or something. Yeah. Or just walk away. Just, just get, just remove yourself from the situation. Cause sometimes like there's situations where someone's drunk, someone's angry. Like there's no, even if you try and be like nice or funny, they're just going to, it's just going to keep going the wrong direction. So yeah, at that you, point, just, just walk away. Yeah. Just get out of there. You don't know what they're going through. Hey, internally, like often it's, we take the, I do, I, we take things so personally sometimes, but the other person's going through some tough times. Stevie was just upset. I was leaving. Like he was just bummed I was leaving the team and it was it was nothing to do with him. It was like all to do with the management and where I felt I was at and where I wanted to go and just there was just opportunities and he was just bummed. He was bummed I was leaving. And that was that was the thing. He was he was a bit drunk and he was angry that I was just it felt like I was almost abandoning the team and there's a lot of stuff that in that he wouldn't have seen. Like obviously like what why would he see? He's just a teammate, he doesn't see all the ins and outs of everything else, but I, I, I thought it was a better decision because I went up to him that night and I was just like, I was so pumped for him. Like I was so, cause it was after he got, um, where was it? Second at Lords. And I remember seeing him ride just before he went there. I think he was at like, um, San Romolo or something. Is San Romolo? And he was just riding like himself again. I was like, yeah, he's back. And then yeah, he got yeah, second. I remember that he was riding so well again. Yeah. And I went up to him and I was just like, I'm so pumped for you because the year before in 2015, he, he struggled. Like he, he, he won, he won the overall what 2013, and then I think he had pretty good 20. No, he got injured. He was out all 2014 because he injured his foot. Yeah, he injured his foot in New Zealand. Is at that time. Yeah, yeah. So he missed pretty much all of 2014, and then he came back in 2015. He just struggled a bit, like he wasn't getting up to pace. So I dealt with the Stevie that was went from world champion or World Cup overall winner to then like floundering. And then because of that, he, he was obviously pissed off. And then I think that got like went a bit through to Gabe and then Gabe would take out his annoyance on us. So it was a bit of a chain reaction of events. But I just went through him like struggling through those years when I was teammates with him. And it was shit to see because it's someone that went from the top to not the bottom, but not to his idea of where he should be. 
So then when I saw him writing how he, he could and his potential was back where it should have been at um at Lords and then he got the flat at Cairns obviously but he was like qualified for, he was right there again. Yeah. And I went up I was so pumped for him. And then he was like we had a good chat, but then he's just like like he was literally like, Why'd you go? Like why'd you leave us? And I was like, I don't want like I don't want to get into it. But then that just turned into a yelling match that then turned into me getting like pretty much dragged away by security and saying, Fuck you, you're a piece of shit and then that was it. Then I, I got kicked out and then, yeah, never never to be seen again. So I'm like, I look back at that moment when I was getting dragged and I was like, I'd never, I just, I, as soon as it started to go the wrong direction, I'd just walk away. It would be like, man, love that you're doing well, you're killing it, but I'm like, I get, I'm, I'm going to go. And yeah. I'd literally just do, that's what I'd do now. If it was, if I could see myself going down that direction and it's, yeah, it's the same. I don't really drink that much either. I don't feel like drinking ever really adds i don't know i feel like it can take away like the whole we were both drunk like we were we were very drunk so I, like it's hard to react properly when you're like that so i pretty much don't drink at all now i haven't drank for ages so that's something I've, I've cut out as well like now and again i'll have a beer but yeah very very little alcohol but i think back but again that lesson and him, and then him passing away like that that was massive like i taught taught me so much about myself and obviously how i i guess treat all everyone now like i said i'm never going to get in an altercation like that and leave on a bad term especially someone i care about or love so like he passed away but he taught me that lesson and i'm never going to forget that so it's like that whole idea is like that pain teacher can teach you anything if you look hard enough and that's something it definitely taught me and you would think it just comes from like him taking it personally and and caring and wanting you on the team i mean that's because he liked having you around if he didn't so it shows you that you had a positive effect on him positive effect on the team and he was just bummed emotionally but i mean there's that's a business decision you have to make and that's a thanks for sharing that story but it it leads me to a segue i did want to ask so being a professional athlete is quite a selfish lifestyle and you have to make sacrifices and and block certain things out. How are you managing knowing that you have to put yourself first and to mm. achieve some of these goals, but also live a lifestyle that isn't so selfish, maybe off the bike? It's tricky. Like it is a tricky thing because I know even, even now it's, oh, it's, it's kind of like, I feel like you almost need to be selfish in the sense that you just like, you need to do what you know you need to do. And I think I'm getting better at that in the sense that I'm I, like, I can't go to certain obligations or family events or things like that because I have this goal and it is, it, it is really selfish. And even to the point, um, relationships are hard to, to like, to, to have when like you go to Europe for just say four or five months and it's just like, and I'm, and I'm selfish and I'm with training. It's like, oh, I do want to go do something. And then it's like, no, I've got to put all my effort into this. So it is, it's just, a, it's a tricky life to, to live in that sense. And like you say, you do have to be selfish, but then I feel Maybe like Maybe selfish that, isn't even the right word for someone that's choosing to dedicate yourself to this path and yeah. this period of your life. Maybe selfish isn't the right word or not fair to put that on you. I think it is. No, I think like it, it is selfish in a sense that you, you just, it's selfish in the sense that you, want to just focus all your time into something one thing but that's that's honestly that's why i'm single now and that's why i'm like i keep to myself a lot because i don't want to like let people down i guess i want to just do me and i think that comes back with the whole like obsession when you get obsessed with a goal you do become selfish but i feel like if you're selfish to achieve a goal it's like well why can't you be that if if you're not hurting anyone along the way i mean i i see a lot of similarities at your age i also had decided that i'm going to be in europe five six months of the year and relationships are going to be something I can't do right now because it's not fair. It's not fair on both no, people. So, fair, no. 
Yeah, that's that's it's a choice choice you've made. But I think with that whole idea of like that being selfish in that sense, but then you can also be super giving as as well, and that's what I try and do. And I guess even with the sense of just giving advice or like even with the podcast and stuff, like I just like to give back, I guess, knowledge of where I'm at and even just even parts, jerseys, everything like it's, it's, you can give all that back in time. And that's why I like going to races because I think it's like the easiest way to do it and just like give give time to kids and stuff. And like mm. it's funny how like I think you lose sight of your influence on an actual person until it's like in person. And then I think you really like, I'll have kids come up to me that will just stare at me and, and can't say a word. And it, and when it first happens, you're almost like, 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 don't you like, like you, you take it almost in as like, what's going on? Like you don't take it in the way that it's obviously projected onto you. But then I think back to seeing like Sam Hill at Canberra and I couldn't even talk to the guy. Like I had to get mum to get a photo with me cause I was so starstruck. And it's just like, <laughs> That when that happens to you, it's such a it's a weird thing. So then just just chatting to them for like, hey, how you been? Like, what's been happening? How's your runs been? You're riding good, and like really engage with them. And it's it's tricky sometimes. Like you can get there's literally one or two words out of them, but then they have they have times when I'll be talking to a kid and I'll get nothing out of him, and I'll be like, oh, mustn't like me kind of thing. Like I'll just lose like a joke, and then his dad will send me a message and he'll be like, he has not shut yeah, up about yeah, chatting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When they get in the car and they're away from you, yeah exactly so i'm like that like you can just give you like giving your time especially in a set like in something like that oh it's it's very it's rewarding at the same time it's like you but you don't always see the reward but you should still know it's rewarding like i said i talked to the kid and in my head i was like do you even want to talk to me like am i just am i wasting your time kind of thing and then he leaves and he's like oh my god like best day ever so yeah i've i've coached at home and then i'm like this kid's quite quiet and i mean he's receptive <laughs> to the lesson and then i'll get messages from the mom be like when can we do another one he said he learned yeah. so much i'm like Shh. it's just a polar opposite of how it felt but i mean i must remember these kids are super young so that's a cool exactly. lesson to to give back even in your young age when you can you know when you're not dedicated in a race run or training or you know that's 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 awesome and speaking of that have uh you mentioned you'd like to talk about mentorship and maybe that's something that you can pass on to the youngsters i mean you've uh had a relationship with greg and he's a little bit older what what can we hear about like mentorship and things like that um i just think especially for a junior kid or someone coming into world cups it's just like latch on and just get as much advice as you can from from people that have done it. Like I know, I think I I went in and kind of had that mindset of I I, I know it all in a sense. Like I'm, I'm doing pretty well to. in this. Yeah, when I started, like okay. I remember like um, Jared Rando and Emil Cavalier were our coaches when we went over. Were you teammates with Rando? Yeah. Oh no, not t- uh, no. I was good friends with both those guys, but I don't think I overlapped on Giant. But yeah, I hang out hung out with him all the time. Yeah. Well, anyway, they were our coaches, which was amazing. And when we first went over to race World Cups, like my brakes were just like angled down. My suspension was way too hard and my seat angle was like that. And I'm just like, just the, they're like giving us little tips. Maybe you should change this. And I was like, no, not doing it. And I just thought I knew best. And I was like, just that, not like a, not, not a, like punk kid or anything, but like, I, I know, I know how to do this kind of thing. And it's just like, I had no idea. I had no clue. And then eventually I think they slowly like butted me up to certain ideas and did change bits and pieces. But if I just opened my, was more open-minded at the start and was more or less like, what do you think I should do? And let's try it. And if it works, we'll stick with it instead of like, no, nah, my way is the best. I know my way. So yeah. be just more open 
minded to change. And that's the whole thing. A mentor has done it. They've done it and failed and they've done it and succeeded. And someone like Greg has done it for so long. It's like, well, try and get some, come with some advice from that guy. And he, 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 he's been really good. Like I met him properly in 20, it's actually funny. I met him properly in 2015. Like I, I obviously knew who he was and we had small chats, but we stayed in the same place at Morzine in 2015 and we actually rode together a little bit. And then I didn't even know he knew who I was. Like obviously I raced, but he was just like, kind of like just another guy in the, in the pits, whatever. Anyway, we got along a bit and he obviously thought, thought I was all right enough to ride with for a little bit. And then the weekend after is when I got third at Lenzerheide behind him when he became the greatest of all time. And I was like, that's pretty cool. Like yeah. we just hung out for a week the first time we've ever hung out. And then the next weekend we're both in a world world cup podium. So I don't know that kind of started the relationship and then, yeah, we've just always got along really well. I think we just, yeah, think alike and yeah, seem to, he, he's definitely given me like, even I remember 2019, he just kind of, I stayed with him a little bit in Morzine and he was just pretty much just like, just, just, just relax, just enjoy it, enjoy it, enjoy it, the, the whole process of it. And don't, don't think too hard with it and just really be like, again, present with everything. Yeah. And then, was the turning point at, at um, Leger, the um, the race after that, was a big turning point. Like I remember going up in the on the gondola and just like kind of just taking it all in. And I think that's when I really started to like be present in more or less World Cup race, just in life in general. And I remember being at the top of that race and you see people in their like kind of mind games with their French things and all this. And then you see people stressing out and like it's just – I looked around and I was just kind of looked around where I was and I was like, why not just make this the best thing it can be? Like why, why try and why, like obviously you're going to get nerves, but like get excited from those nerves. And I was just, again, I was so happy just to be in that place at that time. And then I did well. And then that was like the snowball effect for the rest of the season. Like after that, I don't think I dropped out of the top 15 or something. And I got like consistent top tens and I did that run at worlds. And it was just like from that point in time, from obviously some of Greg's advice and then just, really trying to like use it it just my whole season changed it's just yeah it went it wasn't like going badly but it went really good after that that point what uh what else do you think makes him so good like in your opinion what makes greg uh, so good and able to ride to the age that he's riding it again it just can't he wants it he just like that's and that's i think that's just like the bedrock for any of this is wanting it and like the and why do you want it Cause like, and I think my, my dad definitely drummed this into me as a, a kid and he's like, doesn't matter how smart you are. It doesn't matter where you come from. doesn't matter any of that shit. It matters how much you want that thing. Mm. And if you want it that badly, you will achieve it and you will get there. And like you said, he just, he still wants it. Like he doesn't, he, you see how annoyed he gets when like, <laughs> he, like he doesn't do what he like as well as he expects him out of himself. And to this point when it's like, he, like he shouldn't be racing still realistically, but he's still winning. So it's just like, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy to, to see that. And just, yeah, the longevity of doing it is just, I think he just really enjoys it still. Like I enjoy He just enjoys the process of racing his bike. So it's like, why give it up? He's still winning and he just loves it. Yeah. Why would you though, if you're still competitive, but there's the, why is he competitive? It's easy to carry on when you're competitive, getting paid great, crazy money. I mean, that's mm. easy to have motivation, but that longevity, I think, and you've, mention it before and i've thought about it all the time i know him well enough it's balanced like he has a good time in life as well you know and he gets home and he parks that downhill bike i think he's parking it less and that's why he's doing better in the beginning of a season because often i'll be like at a pre-race and you know greg will be 15th i'll be like and then everyone will be worried and i'm like don't worry 
he'll be good by the first race or the second one. He just hasn't yeah. ridden his downhill yeah. bike much. But I do think it's balance. Like he puts the bike away, goes and rides moto, yeah. you know, likes a beer or six, you know, and yeah. he kind of is able to switch off to the point that he gets life. re-energized. Yeah, yeah, definitely enjoys life and gets the most out of it. Like when he had that chat with me where it kind of turned my season, like I think we were coming back from like a bar, like Rogers or something, and For like we had sure. a few beers and, and had a laugh. But it's like sometimes you need that. Sometimes you need that reset button and to see that like the greatest of all time can let his hair down and have fun and not take it all so seriously because if you take it seriously, you're not going to do it for that long. If you take anything that seriously, it's like why why put yourself through that for that that many years of stress and yeah, all that? Yeah, it's a lot like, of stress, if, isn't it? If you're just constantly thinking about performance and how to optimize it in the next race coming in and and you know, I mean, it's months of prep. You're thinking about it. Then you're in the season for six months thinking about it. You're yeah. going to drive yourself mad. Yeah, see, and that's why I'm just like, I just want to go into the process and just not, not, yeah, not, not think about it, but just be in it. Like, just rock up at the races, be in that atmosphere around all the pits getting set up. And I already, like, I already, it's not like I haven't loved it already, but I think I'm just going to get more enjoyment out of it. Like, I love going to hang out with the media guys. I love going to hang out. I would, like, I feel like I'm a bit of like a pit whore because I just always hang out. Like I always joke around with I'd I'd be um I'd be uh, like there's there's no point of putting me on team rumors because I'm in everyone's truck every weekend. Yeah, like, yeah, I, hang out yeah. With... I would get in shit as well for that. It'd be like oh he's not taking racing seriously. He's over at this guy's pit and that guy's. I'm like, yeah man, this racing's so stressful. You tell me I can't have a good time away from the bike. Yeah, just just being social, just go and hang out with your friends. And it's so funny because so many people are real closed off. And I just, I just find it funny because I, and another thing, it's like we practice all weekend with our friends and you go up in the gondola and you're talking shit and you're talking about lines and you do a lap and you're having a good time. And then you get to a race run and you put your headphones on and go in this like over serious zone. I'm like, you've just practiced all weekend like this. And now you've changed it for the most important part. And I do like, I do it myself. Like I'm not saying I don't yeah, do it, but yeah. I'm just like, it just doesn't make sense to me. It's just like, I guess sometimes when you've got a crowd, it's a bit different in that sense. But like. Like normally when I do the best, man, I'm just chat. I'm just talking shit with people. Like I'm having a good time. But that's you. Like you've got to figure out what works for you. But it it's eerily quiet at the top of a World Cup race run compared to first day practice, huh? Oh, it's it's funny. I remember even um, another like a, again. I come back to when I get in those like zones and do well. But when I was at World at Lenzer Height in 2018, I think I remember being on the wind trainer and I'm just like looking around like this is sick. Like, this is good. Like, there's just, like, these massive picturesque mounds, about to race world champs, feeling good on the track. Like, it's just in a full white kit. Like, we're, we're, we're balling. We're, we're, this is where you need to be. And I look to my side, and, like, Jack's there, and he's kind of got his head in his hands, obviously, thinking about his run, and then Charlie's there doing the same. And I was like, you guys don't look pumped on this. Like, you just, like, I, I, you just look, like, you look stressed out, which is, fi- like, which is fine, like, 100%. But I just looked at both of them, and I'm, like, laughing on the train and just, like, let's go like let's make it happen and then i saw that and it's like i could easily be sitting next to these guys doing the exact same thing and obviously that might work for them as well so i don't want to hate on it but like i'm in that mindset now it's like i just want to get pumped up because i know how good this is going to be and that comes back to i'm pumped up for the that moment in time like to be on that bike wind trainer warming up appreciating where i am and knowing if i don't perform to where i want to perform i'm still pumped and i think once you get that you're like well wh- why are you stressing you just got to ride down a hill like it's like and you've done it 10 times before just do that again <laughs> yeah i look forward to 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 staying in touch and seeing if you're able to achieve that you know when the chips are really down and and i think but i mean if you plan to have that mindset you will and you spoke about how yeah. good it is to be at a race 
What about how good the scene is? I think the scene and the mountain bike racing is in such a good place. But we spoke about it quite a bit. I mean, do you think the riders are getting enough voice? Like, you know, do you think... Because it seems like the viewership's up, sponsorship's up, industry's up now during COVID. But for some reason, it just seems like the prize money is the same. The lack of uh, riders' voice is pretty similar. Like, what's going on out there now? It's it's pretty crazy to think, because obviously you would have seen it because we're in it. But, like just the attendance and obviously views on Red Bull, like it's doubling, tripling. You go, you like, you go to a race now and it's noticeably busy. Like it's just more people on the track. There's more people in the pits. There's obviously more money coming into these events. There's more views coming in. Red Bull's pushing. Like I'm pretty sure someone told me like mountain biking is the biggest growing action sport in the world right now. I would believe that. Yeah. I think their viewership numbers show a lot of that. Yeah. It's got to be up there. It's got to be close. But then for example, and I hate to be like the one where it's like, with the prize money thing, like I don't want to be like, oh, I don't get paid enough. But to put in cons, um, um, context, context, sorry. Um, um, at Lenza Height, I got seventh, and I won equal to five hundred Australian dollars. If I win a Vic Series race in Australia, I get five hundred dollars. So seventh in the world is getting as much as a Vic- Victorian downhill series win. And I just looked at that, and I got taxed. Actually, it was less. It was about seven hundred. No, it was about four hundred and seventy-five dollars because you get taxed like twenty-five or fifteen dollars or twenty-five bucks. Or so I've got exactly what it was, but yeah. So I got taxed on top of that as well. So I look at that, and I'm just like, and it was. I just looked around at like the crowd and everything. I was like, how much money is getting pumped into this event right now? And then. You get that. And I hate I hate complaining about money, but it, was just, it just seemed like a joke to me. And then when it comes to voicing stuff, it's just like you, you say something and it just gets lost in, in, I don't even know, like you try and talk to someone and it's like, oh, we've got to go through this channel or something and nothing happens. And I think especially with um, what happened to Brooke the other year as well, that was a massive one to see how like poor the medic system was there and how the UCI just don't care pretty much. Like they just, they they don't care. And I don't understand how you can't care about the thing that you're there for. It's like the, sh- the show doesn't go on without you there. The show doesn't go on without us there. We all need to work together. Yeah, work together I think needs to happen more. And they have, um, well, I think Greg and Miriam Nicola, the, the writer's voice, but... I feel like the writer's voice shouldn't be someone that's competing. I feel like the writer's voice should be someone that has competed within the last two to three years of something, like within a recent bracket. But when they're competing, like Greg wants to win a World Cup, he can only put so much focus into making the, the situation for the writers better. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough job to have if you are competing. No, no singling him out, definitely not. But you're right. I mean, it's there's technically a conflict and... Like he's the first job is to go win the race. Like you, you, you can't be dealing with emails and admin and fighting for everyone's rights. Yeah, that's a tough. So it's just a tough yeah. job to have for everyone. But you, you said yeah, like, like everyone needs to work together more, and hopefully yeah. from that incident there can be more conversations. We can have a conversation. Like we're clearly coming from a place we just want to see the riders protected more. And exactly. I don't think you're bitching about money. I think principle-wise, it's, it's so for the listeners to understand, cycling has always been a salary-based sport. So you want to get on a factory team. They pay your wages. There's bonuses. If you perform, there's some very good money. But we're not comparing it to golf or tennis. But if, if a privateer puts his own money to, in to get to a race and he has like a really good result, that would be cool if he could cover his costs or something by getting, yeah, say, exactly. 10th. But he can't because he's going to get $300 or $200 for 10th. So that 
doesn't work either. Yeah. And that's like, I think, because Crankworks put, put up a fair bit of money and I think, I'm, I can't remember exactly who it was, but I remember someone got on the podium and the money they got from prize money pay, paid for their plane ticket to the next event. It might have been, I can't, I can't remember exactly where it was, but like you look like Crankworks put up some like actual serious dollars and that can, like you say, help a privateer because that could just kickstart their like, okay, well, now I've got this money, I can book my next trips and I can continue on. But like you said, if you, if you, if you get a top 10 at a World Cup, you, you barely even pay for gas to get home. Like it's, it's pretty ridiculous. And then the people's concept of like what they get paid is like, I think from like, I just love to see what that event would turn over. Like not only just like tourism in, in just say chairlift sales, like all that kind of stuff, the money that gets brought in and just spent in the town and everything. And then like they're coming to watch us. Like we're the show realistically, but then like we just get paid very poorly for performing at the, at the top level as well. So it'd just be cool to see up to a little, up to a little bit, but yeah. Yeah, and maybe and some just, sort of privateer ward. I know I must actually reach out to win. Maybe there's a way through these podcasts to, to ex- get some funding to help the privateer. That's pretty cool. Yeah, but, that's mean, really cool. Bigger than that is the show is because you guys are risking life and limb to race mm. down a hill. Yes, you're getting something out of it. Everyone's getting something out of it. But mm. you guys deserve a voice. You deserve a proper voice to say, this is not safe for these reasons. This is yeah. not, we're not that happy with this. Like everyone should have an equal say. And yes, there's a lot of politics, so I'm not going to dig too deep in it. I don't know the budgets. Mm. It's super expensive to put a race on. You know, you need sponsors. Yes, tourism helps. But I mean, it's really expensive to get that whole thing to happen. So, I mean, everyone appreciates that Red Bull's there, UCI, everyone's making it happen. But I do think mm. factually the riders deserve more of a say um, yeah. for safety, for how things are run, because it affects their career. Mm. Well, just how things, when the, even things change, like in 2018, when they changed the rules. So if you qualified first, you wouldn't go last. Like that was something that we just found out at Croatia. Like, Oh yeah, you found out like the with that weird running order they tried to do for a while, which didn't work. Yeah, I found out at um at dinner that night. <laughs> I I was I, I was in dinner and I went from qualifying second to then getting told I was going down fifteenth, and I was like, well, there's a there's a heap of exposure and a heap of yeah. I guess just taken away. And then I remember being in bed at um eight thirty or nine at night, about to fall asleep, and Jack comes in, he's like, oh, you're down last. I was like, what do you mean? He's like, oh, they changed the order. So Brooks like 20th, but you go down last now. And I'm just like, fuck. <laughs> yeah, they're playing with people's livelihoods and career potentials there as well. Oh, I couldn't sleep that night. Like the nerves were crazy. But like, but the thing is like they, they could have just, they could have put that to like a writer's union or someone or then like the voice and be like, this is what they want to think. And then get maybe like how many people agree or don't agree or like have a, dis- just have a discussion about it. Like keep this in the loop. Yeah, I'm definitely not going to shit talk everyone that puts races on because I love watching them and going to them. But I do think that if you had a number of top 10 riders, a number of top 20, and then some privateers and everyone had a voice, then you'd maybe get a vote on certain things um, that the riders all were happy. And then you go back and say, cool, this is basically what the riders feel. How do we make it work? Let's like, Can we compromise here? You know, the industry yeah, exactly. wants certain things, the UCR wants the Red Bull and the riders. But it does seem like, you know, the riders aren't always getting enough enough of a vote or a, or a view on the on the races. No, and I feel like there's a lot of good ideas you could bounce off them. That should, Like I said, just have a discussion. Like just sit down and have a discussion because I was wanted to talk to you about um, just the whole, I, like, I love how they made the junior category, but then it's almost just like 
who cares in a way because they don't promote it, they don't push it. Like why I don't understand why the like the top ten juniors normal or top five juniors at least they're they're pushing like top twenties, if not top tens, if not even podiums in elite. And there's no story built around that. There's no this kid's coming in, there's no hype around, there's no they can't watch like from home, people don't know who like who juniors are when they come into elite. Like look at Thibaut DePella and he came out and got podiums at Maribor. But like to the person that's just getting into mountain biking or even just is watching mountain biking for like the past season or whatever, but doesn't really look at the June because there's no t- live, live stream or anything. They just be like, who's this kid? Like, mm. where did he come from? But if the UCI built a store, like if they did give um, even like the top 10 of the juniors a bit more of more coverage, like definitely on TV, you build a story around them because they're like they're the next stars. Like to build them up will build views up, which build a following that will grow the whole sport. So if you can put more effort into growing them like from the get-go like i look at something like the ufc how they grow kind of fighters and really promote them and they mm. make superstar you look at conor mcgregor like the u that was not like a mistake like the ufc built him up to be who he is because that's going to bring people in mm. if you can build up junior from a young age and really like promote that junior or something and then when they come into elite it's like a bit of a start like but it doesn't have to just be juniors but like the whole to like to build a story into it because you want you like what we're doing was we're entertaining we're selling stories so if you can build like that's what they love when it's like head-to-head racing and there's two guys that could win and like you're building a story you want to engage people so if you can engage people from like a junior age up into the elite ranks i just feel like that's going to be more like more views more excitement more everything but they just even just record the top 10 juniors runs or all the junior runs because the tv is there the equipment's there record them and then release them in just the just on their own that's, I, I think it's a good it's a good idea and I think there should be more ideas put forward whether they can pull them off or not that's a cool idea if it if they can feasibly like afford to do it have the cameraman there get even the top three runs a little yeah, highlight exactly. reel maybe um, you know they can get it on Red Bull TV it's a cool idea why not they are gonna most of them will be going into elites yeah I mean I, I totally totally agree with that and then some of those Yes, it's an elite sport and we're trying to be... Some people are trying to make it F1, but it kind of isn't. And <laughs> to get a race run once a week to make get a result, it does take some time, you know? And, and when they went down to 60 riders, I was like, shit, I wish they could have found a way because it wasn't quite broken at 80. And then your win no. masters, your Eddie masters, those guys are like big names of the sport now. They were yeah. in as privateers getting 75th. Like my first World Cup, I think I qualified 78th. Okay, so if I didn't, yeah. I, I, I might have been a little bit more despondent. I mean, yeah. I know at the top yeah. end of the field, the top guys are going to come through, but there are those guys that take a little bit longer, and it's, and it's that unique sport that you, you need a little bit more of a chance. Yeah, ex- I, I agree with you. I think they could have maybe just... I guess with the top 80, like maybe even just run the top guys through quicker. Like even if they just started, maybe had the time gaps of 30 seconds, not a minute. If that's the, if that's the challenge to go to have a shorter program, then shit, I, I don't know. I'm not crapping on it. I'm not shit talking, but I'm like, ah, oh, couldn't we just run 30 seconds for the first 20? Yes, there yeah. might have been some red flags. And I mean, there's a lot of politics we don't know about. I wasn't in the room. I wasn't there. Yeah, I know, but... I- but I was just like, I'm, I was hoping we could maybe keep it to 80 and I'm sure we could have won the time back somewhere else if that's one of the yeah. reasons. But anyway. No, I get it because I think we both had that experience where we just qualified with top 80 and we see like, well, yeah, if we didn't qualify then like, because I think when I first qualified, I think I qualified 64th. So it's like, I wouldn't have qualified. Would I be here now? And you don't know, like you don't know, but it's like it would lean towards more about like, would you get more discouraged and you would you 
maybe quit. And that's like a lot of top races, like you say, they float around that top 60, top um, 80 mark when they get into it. So it's just like, yeah. Because there's more competition now. There's more competition. And on some tracks oh. like Leogang, I mean, there's, there's split seconds it's in it. Crazy, so. yeah. Yeah, when the when half the field's separated by two seconds, it's it's yeah. So you could be like, and a lot of top guys don't qualify now, and it's not a uncommon thing to be at a World Cup. Like in 2019, I remember there was a lot of the time when like, what he didn't get in, and you're like, and but, yeah. but you know, like it's not, it's like a shock at the same time. while it's not. Well, it's like when the time gaps five seconds to qualify, and it's like you might have a little crash or something. Like it's not hard. It's easier not to qualify than it is to qualify. Yeah, and it's it's not like MotoGP which. I was thinking that they promote, you know, they got the different classes and bike sizes, the on-road MotoGP. And they're like, they've got qualifying sessions. So, okay, yeah. cool. If you're going to do 60 or way less, then you're going to have to give us more more than one go at it. Because like their yeah. lap times are a minute 20. Ours are sometimes only two minutes 20, but you get one go at it. Yeah. It's a, such a unique, fascinating sport. But MotoGP, you get a few goes. If you're not that quite fast, you don't get through. Okay, they only have a certain number on the grid. But in that mm. theory, shit, then you must maybe have an LCQ. Okay, we're only taking 50 to the final, and then there's another LCQ. Like Greg, when he didn't qualify, cool, throw him in the LCQ. Mm. If, yeah. if he's top yeah. five in the yeah. LCQ, he can come. You know, and then he has yeah. another I, chance. Like that, I mean, how cool would that story be? If we can have live timing yeah. of the LCQ, like, oh, is Greg going to make it in? That would be insane. It's hype. It's more a storyline. It's yeah. it's it builds it builds on the race. Because I was going to ask you with 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 different things. Like, how did you feel about like the double header race format? Because from home, I loved it, but like obviously, I wasn't in it. It'd be different. So I'm 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 speaking from a fan, um, but I'm also trying to put myself that if I was there, I think it's great. I think if you can have more, uh, but I don't want them to use it as an excuse to have eight rounds but four venues. Yeah, don't no. cut it down. Yeah. Because we I want to race more. I want more racing. You guys deserve to race more. The fans deserve it. Everyone, the industry can get more out of it. Have some double headers, but not back to back. So like the first one is a race, then they say a double header, and then you go to a single one or whatever you space it out. But if you could have twelve rounds, but seven or eight venues, why not? Yeah, it's exactly. Great. Yeah. And just it's it's like we what we race what's eight times a year like really like i think yeah eight or nine times yeah. is like our max it's so not if enough. we if we do, no it's not and i think i think i think they're gonna start filming qualifying as well which i'm like make that into a race as well like everyone's pushing you're going for it like even if you don't live feed it just do a, a, a replay a highlights or something like put that i guess they do a bit of highlights i just film the whole thing because it's like you're getting half the points it's half the race half the story but if you did that and double headed like that's so much more viewing for people at home like i know from when i sat at home and watched the double header was awesome because it's like you, you, you just more. It's more. It's more to see. Like you watch this the first one, you're like you get so hyped on it because it is exciting, and then you don't have to wait three weeks before you get the next one. It's like oh sweet, two days later we get to go again. And like obviously that's a lot more stress on riders, but yeah, and mechanics and it's tough and a, and a wet race must be insane amount of work. But I mean these guys are getting paid decent money at the top. Everyone's getting paid, and hopefully the industry can benefit from it. And don't do them back to back. If you can yeah. help it, you know, like have a double header, then maybe a week off, then a normal one. Or you can go to a normal one because you could travel Monday and chill into it and then, you know, start practice Thursday. It's totally yeah. doable, it seems. But I don't want them to lose venues because some people will do a double header. It would be awesome. Have like six venues, three of them are double headers or whatever. You're going to get 10, 12 races 
And then maybe a throwaway, you know, then maybe you're allowed to throw away run rounds. So when you get that flat tire or whatever, you yeah, know, you don't away. ruin your whole season. That would be cool yeah. as well, yeah. Because we, we don't do enough World Cup racing. Like I think 10 rounds should just be like minimum 10. Yeah, the minimum, yeah. You should do 10. And then oh, I don't even want to say this because it's what everyone says, but just new venues. Like we need to, and I know people have got to bid for them and all that, but I just like, we need to go, we need to, we need to be a World Cup. We're not a World Cup. We're a European Cup with like with the French part of Canada thrown in every now and again. So like I would love to see new venues like the like go to Asia or something. I know people have got a bid, but just like imagine going to Asia or something or Brazil again or just like make it into a world. And I know it's obviously tricky now. Hopefully when obviously the virus stuff's all done, like that would be cool. Like mm. now we can trap the world. Let's go around the world. Let's go to new places. Let's experience new culture it does like, promote let's, the sport man i'm in touch with a guy just send, send me a picture from when i was back in brazil it's, it's an hilarious picture and we're still in touch and it grows the sport i mean i got i basically chose to be a downhiller because the world cup came to stellenbosch in south africa and i was there yeah. as a 12 year old kid and then yeah. i raced the citizen one when i was 13 and i met everyone i saw everyone and i got sean palmer's jersey i've still got the jersey <laughs> just i mean that honestly is probably one of the biggest reasons I went through school, did all the sport, and I was like, mm, I think I'm going to be a downhiller. I mean, because yeah. the sport came here. It would be so cool to try. It's tough. I mean, it costs a lot of money, but I agree with you. It would be so good to go to go to other venues. And uh, who do you think, um, speaking of racing, like who do we look out for in 2021? You Honestly, can't, my you head. Can't I, have a, you've got to have some answers. It was your idea to ask this question. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I'm just trying to. I'm. I'm. That's. If it's just all, it's, it's pretty, pretty generic. I think, but it's just like the like Loix. He, ne he never goes slow. So him, Amari is going to be interesting. Um, it's going to be interesting what Matt Walker does now that he's like he's got that momentum. Like he like to carry whether he carry because he would have had some mental strength to. I know that they are in Europe already. Like I know it's different from traveling with the whole COVID thing and everything. So that would have. And and even spending more or less a summer, um, I don't know, not traveling so much. So you would have been at home more. I, I, anyway, it's hard to pick, but I'd be interested to see how he goes. Like, yeah, to, I, I, I'm a, I've had an interview, so I'll release it. I guess it'll come out before this one. I don't know. I can't keep up with the internet and how I'm going to do these things. But yeah, Matt Walker, I think he's he caught up because he trained through that whole pandemic. So he caught up physically in his training, which was smart. You know, if you're a youngster, you're motivated. If you're someone like Greg, you're like, thank goodness I can chill at home. I've never been home before. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. that was good for him. And then, yes, if he's able to just block the pressure and expectations other people might put on. But he's, he seems like mature beyond his years when you chat to him, his attitude, yeah. how he focuses on things. So I think he'll be pretty damn good even though yeah, people nah, expect like nah. I think he'll be hungry to win a race so that'll keep him motivated yeah for sure I think if, if I had to like I'm, I'm always going to be betting on myself but if I have to bet, bet on second um, I think Loris Vergier I reckon I'm just waiting for him to just I reckon, honestly he's probably my favorite rider to watch like he does, doesn't try he's so fluent just and he's always like he's always there obviously and he's won World Cups last year but I'm just waiting for him to just put the whole thing together and just be like I'm, I'm the man yeah, but I mean, he was kind of going on a rampage this season, and then you know the, the, the issue yeah. at the last, the second last round. I can't, you know, or the last yeah. round, last venue, second last race. Yeah, I derailed yeah. it, but he he's the man on form as well. You can't forget that. Yeah. No, but I just want yeah, I just want to bat, like I want to have just put my name between those guys. Like that's 
I just think that'd be the coolest thing. Like I look like I honestly, it's funny when you become friends with like these guys, you like, I still look up to them all. Cause I, I like what they do is fucking cool. Like I'm still, a, and especially watching it, like, I'm still like, I'm a massive fan and I find it always, it's a bit like, it's a bit funny when like you're a fan and then like they're just your buddies at the same time. So that's kind of funny. Like I'm rooting for you, but also like, I want to beat you at the same time. It's a bit of a, yeah, it's like when I met Petey or I go to a race now and then, you know, we're on the side of the track. I'm like, it's Steve Pete just said, let's go for a beer and a snitchel. I'm like, have you ever been on the side of the track? And you're like, how fast are these guys going? Like, this is insane. And you're like, oh, oh but I'm, yeah, I be, yeah, I beat I'm you. also That's... clearly have to go that fast because my result is X. Yeah, it scares me. Like, even I'll go places and I'll like watch and I'll just, I don't like watching anymore. No, because no, I, that, because I'll of that. that I'll, oh, I'll, I'll see people I consistently beat. And then I know a fast riders and then I'm like, because you obviously have no like your your perspective of it's so different when you're in the helmet and you're doing it, but then to see like how fast they're going, you're like I'm going that fucking fast and I'm doing that. Like when obviously you're in it, it's so simple, but then you see it and you're like, this is gnarly. Like this is really gnarly. So I try not I try not to watch anymore. No, I kind of just I, I think that's a smart smart move. You can get head fucked quick with that. Oh, you see some um, cannonballs as well. You see like some Euro guy with like 145 plate and he's he's winning practice. He's on viral. <laughs> He's killing it. And you see him blow past and you're like, all right, well, I'm going to get like, I'm going to get hosed this weekend, but then he might not even qualify. Like, it's just funny. Like you can't read so much into just like a na- nailing a section yeah. because it's just, yeah. but you do see some guys and you're just like, what's going like that. You, it's, it's ridiculous. It is. It's like, it's, and it's, there's no, like even on Red Bull TV, like that never, never shows like the speeds, the steepness, anything. And then when you're there in practice and there's guys just, given it like it's it's a pretty cool thing to say yeah, yeah then you def- get then you'll get like a podium you're like shit i guess i was the guy giving it <laughs> it's it's pretty surreal yeah i was doing something right but it's um it's good yeah when you get in that when you get in that zone when you're like yeah you know everything's working and yeah and, you, and i don't know it's it's it just becomes easy like that's the only thing i can say like it's really hard until it's not and then it's the best job in the world because everything just flows so smoothly. And it's just like when you – like I guess it just comes back to that flow state thing. But when you get in those zones and you have those runs and it's just like that, that like I could just do that all day. Like you don't get arm pumped. Your body doesn't go tight. You almost – you don't you don't think – you don't even remember your run. You just kind of go top to bottom and then you're just like, whoa, we're on the podium now. How did that happen? Yeah. And that's I think like – I think people just get good at that and I want to try and get better at that, which is – um well, speaking of speaking of maybe it not being as easy, what about Gwyn? I mean, I kind of have a sneaky feeling twenty twenty one we'll see an, the the old Gwyn that we know, and he's had time on this bike now. He he got through twenty twenty. I just he was never going to be prepared. It's not his fault. Like just with the pandemic yeah. and the weather, and but twenty twenty one, I've got like a sneaky feeling he might not be as dominant as ever. I don't know. What do you make? I of I, yeah, I think I don't know if. You always say this. You don't know if anyone's going to be that dominant again, but then someone always just seems to do it. But with him, I don't know. I I don't know if he's if he's like because he's got his chick now. He's got his house. Life's good. Like I don't know if he's just if he's got that hunger, that want. Again, it comes back here yeah, to the want, the hunger, and it's just like I don't know. He could he could surprise me, but I think it's the young kids. I think it's the kids that are, have tasted blood in the water, like like um, Matt Walker and stuff, and even I guess myself in a way. Like I think we're just going to put the fight to him and. Obviously, all the all the all the normal names that are up there, but I don't know. I like like you say. I, I don't. I don't by any means. Like I don't think Gwyn's going to do bad by any means. But I think he might just be like a podium guy here and there. But I just don't see like the the Gwyn of I guess what twenty 
10, 11, 12, 16, 17. I don't see that. I mean, he had some shit to prove then. You could, you could see it. Huh? I mean, yeah. He was... I just don't know. Again, it's just the hunger, the drive, the want. And like, I just, I don't know if he, he's done it and he's just like, I have been the man. I've, I've, I've done, like, besides being world champion, he has done everything. And he is, he, like, he is, even though he doesn't have as many wins, like, I, I look at probably like Greg, Sam, Gwyn, Petey, those, like, those are like the, 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 the guys. Like, and it's just like those kind of guys, like, stood out from everyone. And Gwyn definitely did that. And I don't know if he's just like, if if once you do do because I've never done that I've never been the man and then then not been the man again so it's hard to, like I've always been chasing something mm. so it's I, I don't like underdogish yeah which is like you got that hunger but I don't know if it's like once you do literally do everything besides a world champion and then you kind of thereabouts do you do you have that one again like I, it's it's I I can't I can't speak because I haven't lived it but I don't know I just there's something about that I just don't see him being being right back up there like i'm sure he'll float like i said podiums and being there but i think i think the young kids are gonna put on a show i think it's gonna be a few like un, like not unknown names but like it's gonna be a bit ruffled up i guess yeah i mean i kind of hope he listens to this which he probably doesn't but we could we could maybe send it to him and and kind of it'll probably you know when if you hear things like that it might re-energize that and be like fuck yeah i want to yeah. get back or yeah I, I'm not con, I'm not content with just being where I am. Like I'm gonna show you guys, and that's why I think he came and he's like, mm, you can't be stoked if you were winning everything. It's a tough one once you've won yeah. everything to like, okay, cool. Now I'm a podium guy. Um, yeah. And Greg's been able to like, mm, I'm not gonna quite be a podium guy. I'm still gonna reel off a win here and there when when yeah. the course suits me or I, I still want it. So I, I think Gwyn's got a year or two of that still before maybe. Mm. Maybe we've seen that, yeah. I want, I want him to be at his best, though. I want everyone to be at their best. I want him to just give it hell. Like, 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 like I said, I'm still a fan. Like, I remember watching um, Snowshoe at the bottom and just, like, how fast people were going and, like, giving it. Like, and it was just so cool to be that. Like, and I'm still that fan. I love it, and I love watching how, like, I want to see Gwyn at his best because I remember seeing him at his best when I started racing World Cups, and it's, like, it's pretty cool. Like, Bryson did the same thing when he kind of had that run, and, like, obviously mm. Sam did that. Like when someone gets that like aura and just starts, gets that confidence and gets that drive, it's, it's cool to see. So if he can do it, like, and then it'd be cool to put it to him. Like, that's another thing. It's like, it would lift whoever was going to lift him and push him and they'd lift each other. Like perfect example, Greg and G that year when that was just like, they were the guys. No one, it was like, you're yeah. racing for third. And it was yeah, like, and like Loic so and Amory. Just, yeah, exactly. Like, okay. exactly. And then Danny threw his name in the mix. So Danny moves teens. Like, we this is not a, a conversation for that maybe we'll do a side podcast and have you on for some bench racing because it'll be cool actually so because i didn't prep there's so many names yeah i i because the, the the whole reason i wanted to do um a podcast at this well it wasn't even going to be this podcast me and charlie were just going to do an after race talk about like what we're talking about now just like literally in depth about i guess the season and racing and everything and be like oh but this guy's coming back and like just kind of nerd out in a way about like where people are, which I don't know if it'd be weird because I, I'm racing still. It's like you, you're the you're the reporter, but you're also part of the show. But I just thought it'd be a cool thing to do. But yeah, like you say, we get we could get lost on a tangent on that stuff. But yeah, there's a lot of yeah, a lot of um, a lot of a lot, like there's just everyone's fast now. 
like you, you, it just keeps getting further and further back. And then you start throwing a few fast juniors in there and you're like, oh, well, now, now top 10 was awesome. And now top 15 is really good. And then a the top 20 is still going to be like, fuck, you got top 20. Like mm. it's just, yeah, the talent is so deep. Yeah, the talent pool's deep. I mean, Troy Brosner's as well. He just needs to like break out for those wins, which I mean, his consistency yeah. is insane. If he's just able to like go just a bit faster and wreck a win, I mean, imagine he goes consistently on like, you know, wins. That would be, that would be pretty cool. Oh, yeah, good luck for me. I think once he got third, like three or four years in a row, and he's, I think 14, he should have gone at 14. I think he was like, he was, he led for most of the year, and then I think the ball got dropped at the last one or the second last one or something. But he's always a good yardstick to like race him in Oz, and like he normally does beat me. But if I'm thereabouts, I'm like, okay, we're in the ballpark. Like this guy, this guy knows how to boogie. So, yeah, <laughs> good to have someone like that. But again, it pushes me, it lifts me. And that's like the whole thing you say about Gwyn or whoever, like you want. You want this. You want the bar to be lifted as high as possible because then that's when that produces what people want to see. So, yeah, I hope everyone just throws down, comes out, and just because I know, like, that's what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm, yeah, definitely throwing down. Like, it's been good. Like, even just riding my downhill bike. Um, I haven't done it that much because I've just got a finger. Before I did I had my accident. Like, you know, when you're just, like you're just having fun and riding good. Like, honestly, riding probably the best I've ever ridden. Like, just just doing things. You know, when everything just starts becoming natural and you start doing. Yeah, gaps you get that, that you, feel and touch. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, and I and I seem to be getting there more often than not. So I'm just like, again, I'm just like, get me to a race, like get me behind. A, it's always funny that like, it's it's been building up, and I've been in this mindset, and I've been riding well, and all these good things, and then it's like, there's just no race because it's just like keeps getting pushed back or the pandemic, and it's just like, it's like you you the pandemic's put me in this state, but then it's also just like holding the carrot just like a little bit further away, a little bit further away. I'm like, just give it to me. I just want to see what it tastes like. Let's see what happens. <laughs> Yeah, but let's just yeah, let's just get it get it happening. But no, nah, I'm, I'm I'm keen to see it. Wow. I was going to ask you when are you going to start commentating at one of these things. What at, things? Uh, one of these World Cup. I don't know, mate. I'd love to. You tell me. I reckon because one thing I was saying, um, or thinking, sorry, um, when I've listened to stuff like you've done with um, Crank's work, and it's like the whole idea is like you give a backstory on an athlete, and I know when you've obviously commentated for me and other people, like you build a story into that rider. And I think that's where we need to market the sport is the people that don't really know mountain biking. And mm-hmm. that's the thing. I feel like Red Bull TV and not like not to take away from Rob and um, Claudio, but they talk about the rider, but they don't really give any backstory to that rider. So just say you're just a casual fan or someone that's just flicked on the TV or whatever. It's hard to get invested if you don't have any information about that person. Like everyone wants to buy into someone or something. And I notice with you, you always give a story about where they come from, who they are and what they've done. And I just see that as like, I obviously know everyone and every, like I'm, I'm close friends with everyone. So I don't need to hear it, but I'm not the person you're appealing to. Like you're appealing to the casual fan, the actual fan. And then like the, the person that might've just flicked the TV on or gone awesome. or clicked on YouTube. Whatever. So I think that's something that like, if that was at a world cup, I think that'd be really cool. No, I appreciate that a lot. I think that's where this podcast comes because now I've got a better understanding of what makes you tick and when maybe yeah. you would perform. And I think that's key yeah. because what's happening at home or on the team or the, the shit behind yeah. the scenes is why a guy's going to perform or not as well. And, and that yeah. can build a story. Yeah, everyone loves stories. Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm trying to achieve and I appreciate it. And it's, it's a big goal of mm. mine is to grow the sport, yeah. grow the riders. I mean, I got so much from the sport. We're sitting mm. here with some sort of following and everything I have is because of what I learned and got from the industry. So trying to give back in that way, like let's get to know the backstories. Like who are these people? Why do they tick? And Why do they perform? And how can they 
kind of promote the sport, yeah. And it's such a good time now, like you said, like the growth now is crazy. Like it's going nuts. And you look at once that happens, then there's more money and then there's more opportunities to build more stories. Because I look at motocross and like all the Red Bull, like behind the scenes and Moto Spy and yeah. like cars with like Mathis and all this and stuff. And it's like the industry is booming. Like it's massive. And we're like tiptoeing towards that. And obviously that gets created through what we're doing now. And it's like you said, if we can be a part of that and push it, it's like it just helps us. It helps everyone, but it helps us at the same time. Yeah, I, I would be honored, definitely be honored to just grow the sport. And I think it's just a bit behind motocross, but I think sales are increasing. I think the viewership and, and all these other shows are going to be a spinoff for sure. I think it's, I think it's going to overtake it. I think it's going to, yeah. but that's like with, with, e, with it, we'll just look at like, e, honestly, e-bikes are going to do it. E-bikes, are, I think the gateway, as much as people hate on them, like, Mm. For, for not an everyday rider for someone that just wants a cruisy thing it's like and you don't and like that was the thing it's like a motorbike you can just ride up a hill you don't get tired an e-bike you ride up a hill you get tired but you can choose how tired you want to get so it's like it, it, it takes away that like oh i've got to slog up this thing it's like no nah, i feel like cruising boost let's go up the hill you want to just have a hard one let's turn it off let's put on eco i love it yeah i mean what a cool cool piece of kit yeah and i just it's one of those things now like i'm pretty sure in australia like most bike companies, e-bikes are their biggest sellers and they're just everywhere. Like everywhere I go now, there's e-bikes and it's just, it's, it's so cool to see that like so many, like my, I've got, I brought my dad a, um, a, a genius e-ride and he loves it. And I know like he rode a, a mountain bike before then, but nowhere near as much as he rides now. And I love the fact that I can go for a ride with him on my normal bike and he can hang with me. That's the dream. That's so cool. So like I went up to like on a road ride the other day and like obviously I'm on a road bike so I'm going to be going a lot faster so rode out a certain way and then cut back and said I'll meet you with the base. So I rode out, cut back and then by the time I got to the base we're at the same point and obviously he can just average 25Ks going up. So he's just in boost spinning and I'm just on my road bike absolutely hurt and he's just, we're just having a conversation but we're just chatting and it's just like that e-bike gave us the opportunity to just meet because I, I was like i want because they wanted to pace me as well because i was like well i know because i've got obviously got my my little speedo on so i know how fast i'm going but he can be there and like just that little bit of extra motivation when you go on the hill it's pretty cool to be like again it's just i i appreciate that moment that i'm like training towards a goal with this mindset of that i can achieve it with my dad on e-bike cruising up a fucking cool mountain in a cool spot so i'm like just that moment alone like that's a win and then when I got like that, all comes back to when all the World Cups got cancelled, and I was bummed. How can I take away from that moment? Like, if just say this year COVID flares back up, somehow we can't control it again. There's no World Cups. That moment, training for the the possible World Cup was still cool. So it's just like life's yeah. still good. And I think when it first got cancelled, I just I I disregarded all the good times up until that point, which now I don't disregard any of that. Like every time I get to ride my bike, have a good experience, I appreciate that for what it is. And then I don't, and then it's, it's like, I don't care. Like, honestly, if the World Cups got cancelled, like I said, I would, I'd probably focus more on the podcast stuff. <laughs> like, I'd, and I'd be pumped on that. Like, dude, when I got this equipment, I was so hyped. Like, I was as hyped as I do when I go riding. It was just like, find, find happiness where you want, find excitement where you want. Like, it's, it's everywhere if you look hard enough. So now I just look at that and it's like, yeah, it's just good shit going on all over the place. Well, I <laughs> think, cool. wicked. I think that's a perfect way to start winding down. Why don't you tell the listeners, if they don't know about the podcast, uh, Fill them in where they follow the podcast and you on Instagram. Yeah, so on me at Instagram is Dinos Machinos, and I've been thinking about changing it. But and then everyone always gives me I talk about changing it. And everyone just gives me crap. Like, no, you can't change it. A girl called me Dinos Machinos when I was in, um, I think, like year seven on my bus. Well, like, thought and it was then, your real name. No, 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 no she no, called no. you. 
yeah, she called me as a oh. nickname. She's like, hey, Dinos Machinos, and just would call me that. And then when I got Instagram and I was like, yeah, it, I think I was in year seven or eight or something, they're just like, I think the girls helped me make it. And they're just like, yeah, just make it Dinos Machinos. And just that's just where it's been. And I changed it to Dean.Lucas and then everyone gave me shit. Like everyone was just like, what are you doing? Change it back to Dinos Machinos. And like, it's just kind of, <laughs> I think it just makes me look like a bit of a kid. Like when you have that, e- your first email address is like something stupid. Well, 69 your, or something. your Skype is Kevin Bacon, man. I don't know. No, I you clearly honestly, made that when you were a kid. I no, I no, 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 no. I didn't make that. I think <laughs> someone else set it up for me and did it, but I don't know who it was. But I definitely didn't do that because I was like, I don't, and I don't know how to change it either. It's just stuck as. Mate, Bacon mine's there. Radman Double One. That's like a <laughs> stupid high school nickname. So yeah, I feel um, like your first email address should have to get tattooed on some <gasps> part of your body. Mine was year underscore Dino. <laughs> Mine again was a yeah nickname. That's so funny and hot. So oh, cringy. Yeah. But anyway, that's the, uh, back back to the that's, podcast. That's called the the off track experience. They can find it on all the platforms. Yeah, yeah, that's everywhere. Uh, I've got an Instagram that, and then it's dot off track dot experience. But yeah, that's um, and that's gonna. Start, I'm gonna start getting back into it now. Like even doing this one, like it's been a while since I like I did the one with Jace kind of recently, and always like I just love doing them. I think it, I get a real enjoyment out of it. Like I said, I just got all my new equipment. I've got four mics now. I just got to find three three other good people, and we'll just sit down and have a chat. And awesome, man. And uh, yeah, thank, thanks for your time and being so open and sharing those stories. I think there's so many nuggets and, and inspiration and I'll definitely have you back on when we get back to racing or uh, I'm going to be doing a lot of bench racing. We did it with Sven, Brooke. Um, if you'll come on, that'll be awesome to get a get an opinion from someone on the ground there if I can't make it to some of them. How's the bench racing? Like, what do you mean by bench racing? Is that just like... Yeah, so I... Um, after the races, uh, I had Sven on. I had another buddy that's a Masters downhill world champion, and we just we just go through what happened at the race, what we think, yep. what we think will happen. Yeah, so I've launched a bunch of those episodes. Can't speak about it yet, but there should be a backer for them this season if when when and if racing goes forward. So people yep. are loving those. Yeah. So we'll uh, yeah. I'll be doing pre-race ones, post-race ones, like that. What we thought happened, what we think, why it happened. Yes, some split times and facts, but the story behind it as well. Yeah, I need to jump back in the scene because when I moved to Bright, um, I haven't had Wi-Fi for the last month and a half. So I've been and I'm in a black spot, so I haven't had service, and I also just haven't been looking at my phone at all. Like I've kind of I I upload stuff. That's good though. That's healthy though. I think. It's yeah, no, it is good, but it's it's funny because I don't scroll anymore. I just like upload stuff, and then that's pretty much it. And that's been that's been like a godsend. That's been helping like with mindset and that, not mm. being distracted. I focus where it needs to be. But yeah, obviously, I like yeah, I haven't seen I haven't seen these bench things. But I'd love to be a part of it. Yeah, no, I'll invite you on. It'll be sick. Yeah, that's funny. That's how my first. Yeah, that's what I wanted to do. Like that was the whole idea of me and Charlie. We're just gonna sit down and be like, so how about this? Like how about how about this guy coming in and then like maybe try and get a guest and be like and then just put, pretty much just talk about just do an after race show, literally just an after race show. But then. It kind of yeah turned into to, to, to this and kind of in itself created what you're doing as well. It's funny. It's funny what something like a catalyst to this, how it could just mean like, oh, Dean's got a shitty little mic and we, we chatted and it all kind of just w- worked out. But yeah, it's funny like what a moment like that can actually create and where it, where it can lead to. Which Absolutely. Is- and I had the idea 10 years ago, no, maybe even more when I was racing to do a podcast. I still, I, I've told the story a few times. I still have the email from the Parkin brothers that did the videos they used to be for Red Bull and they did Trek. And it, the subject line is the mic you'll never buy. And then there's like yeah. a link to the mic I never bought. And yeah. it was one of those things like I just couldn't 
push myself past uncomfortableness of trying something new. And I was like, okay, I'm focused on racing. Don't do it now. And then I went on yeah. a podcast and he was like, that was really good. Why don't you do one? I'm like, oh, yeah. that's weird you say that. Thanks. He kind of gave me that confidence. Yeah, And I think it. that's yeah. leading back to maybe what you say, you know, take time for some people, be positive, show them some, you know, some support. And, and that might, you know, be the catalyst they need. And I needed that push. And then lockdown hey. happened. So I can literally thank the pandemic because I was stuck in my house and I was like, well, it's time to do a deep dive on how to launch a podcast. And then yeah. that's what's led to this. But Dean, you've been so good with your time. I, I love that it went on like 500 million different tangents, not just bike racing. And, and I hope the listeners enjoyed we, that. Hey, I was going to say, I think we pulled it together a bit at the end. I had a bit there where we kind of got a tangent, but I was like, it was all good though. No, it was, it was, it but was, it was really, I'm going to really ask good. the listener to send us messages if they liked it or didn't like it, because I have a sneaky feeling they've learned more about you or maybe a little bit more about me and not just about the bike. So yeah, thanks so much, yeah. buddy. We'll, we'll definitely do it again. No, I'm pumped. Thanks for having me, Needles. It was, uh, it was cool. It was good to actually use my first... Uh, this is the first time I'm using all this stuff as well. So I just wanted to give it a test run as well. So it worked out perfect. But no, thanks for having me on. Cheers, man. I want to give a big shout out to Scott Bicycles for supporting me and my crazy ideas, including this podcast. As some of you may know, this is actually my fifth year on the brand and I'm blown away by the support and how amazing the bikes are. So if you're into big climbs, bigger descents and long days on the mountain... Make sure to check out Scott's all-new trail collection. Don't miss out. Check it online in selected countries and at dealers worldwide. That'll be on the website, scottsports.com, but what I'll do is I'll put a link in the description. Some of my faves that you have to check out is a new Stego helmet. So comfy, but really, really good protection. And then the soldier knee pads, I can literally ride on those knee pads all day. Go for lunch with them, chill out, and then go for more riding. So make sure you go check it out. I'll put a link in the description. And one last thing before you guys go, if you enjoyed the episode, please share it with a friend. Make sure you subscribe. Leave us hopefully a five-star rating and review. I read all those reviews. It's awesome getting them. If you got any feedback, you want to send me a message, I get all those messages. I try to respond to them all. I really appreciate it. It's been a fun journey so far. So until the next one, stay well.